This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody out there listening to the Next Lander podcast. That's right. You found it. You're back. You're here. Or you discovered it. Discovery. Very big in podcasts, I hear. Brad Shoemaker. So I'm here, and I've brought my algorithms. How is your discovery algorithm? Let's, let's punch the numbers in and see what comes out. Oh, okay. it's oh, it's the ruin of society. Oops. Oops. Wait. Oh, it was a negative one. Use that. You got to use a positive one. Alex Navarro. Uh, metric. You got to use imperial. Imperial. Is that what they call it? Yes, yeah. the imperial system. And also, if you're looking for the positive one, you have not found him here. <laughs> Uh, neutral, let's say. Yes. The, the zero factor. Anything times Alex is a zero. Is yes, zero. you are basically multiplying by zero. Uh-huh. Uh, you're listening to the Next Lender Podcast. I'm the positive one. Vinny Caravella here. You are trying- the positive one. That's me. I turn it on. every every Right before the, the mic goes live, crank it's up the man. positivity. It's just like Jekyll and Hyde over here. You yeah. hear this guy when he's off the mic. It's just that off the mic. I'm like, <laughs> my back hurts. I'm in the basement. I'm covered in spiders. My ankles are in poop water. Oh. And then three, two, one. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Um, 
boy, I just flew in from a sleepless <laughs> night, and boy, is my back tired. Oh no! Oh no! Um, yeah, man, I don't, man, man, man. Why does, why does the body got it? Why can't the body? Just, why can't you just? Just dial it into 24, 25 years old and just say, okay, set it here and let's just stick it. Let's just ride this one out. Let's just ride it out. A 24 year old Vinny where, uh, that's where I want to stay. Is that, is that what you would do? Cause I think I am the opposite end of the spectrum of free me from this meat prison. Oh, you just want to be a mind. Put my, <laughs> put my brain in a jar um, or a computer, just a, you know, whatever. Just, a, just allow, well, no, you got to maintain the, cause Otherwise, is it really you in the computer, or is it just a copy? Uh, it's not we should, you. We should all replay Soma. Yeah, someday. look, I played I, Soma. I know, I, man. I, I genuinely think all the time about <laughs> trying to carve out the time to replay Soma because, man, that game is good. I mean, yeah. are are you? They, they went back and they they changed some of the chase sequence stuff, right? Didn't they? they, yeah, they did. I, I want to say they gave you a straight up toggle to disable it. I, <laughs> okay. I I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double check. I want to say they straight up just like let you turn off the enemy crap altogether. I don't remember mm. if it was totally off or if it was just a greatly reduced amount or, of stress. But yeah, yeah, maybe they just took the penalty out. There are definitely mods out there that just straight up like take the enemies out and just let you play that as like a story game, which I think is probably the right way to go. Oh, totally like the best parts of that game are definitely not the monsters chasing you around parts which is unfortunate because I, that was actually the best part of amnesia but like for for what that game was trying to do no yeah i like soma as well soma so, is so good like it's it's not the most original story no, no. like obviously it's trading in some philosophical and science fiction <laughs> tropes that have yes. been around but I think it's one of the best executed game stories I've seen in a very long time. It has like, one of the best endings in yeah. that category. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it sticks it in a way that uh, it's, it's so easily unstuck or not st- slippery. You know, yeah. it, it writes a lot of checks, you know, and then it's like, okay, it mostly cashes them in. Most, yeah, mostly good. delivers. Good month to play it. It's we're in the spooky month. Yeah, we are. If you want to, yeah. it's, it's a bit more of a cerebral spooky that's okay. Rather yeah. than a gory or whatever. But. I like having my mind spooked as much as my body, you know? Like, I don't just need uh-huh. jump scares. I want to I contemplate the horrors of the universe. I, wanna, I want ex- existence itself to terrify me. I, uh, Bra- brain I, spooking. I, brain spooking. Worse than body spooking. Very much so. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm probably one of, like, three people that was actually uh, kind of freaked out by signs when it came out. Oh, uh, dude, are you kidding? Oh, I, dude, I was, no, I was like, people I was, freaked out by that movie. Dude, dude, I was fucking like white knuckle gripping the oh, arms really? of the chair in the theater watching that movie. Oh, okay. Maybe, like, maybe the, like the post narrative then is just like, oh, it's so hacky and it's so like overwrought. Maybe. Well, no, uh, it's just sort of like, the opposite problem of Soma where there's a lot of really great buildup in it. And then by the time they get to the last <laughs> five minutes, you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> all, all, well, part of it was me and a couple of friends of mine were super into UFO shit in high school. Mm. And that was not that far removed from that period. Was that because Where, of X-Files or was that ancillary? Largely because of okay. X-Files. Yes. I remember uh, I, had re- I had trouble sleeping because of that movie. I saw it in theaters and then um, it was, I was in Queens in my studio apartment and then I was sleeping right next to the window and I swear every time I looked out I could see a little something moving uh, on the building next to his fire escape. Like that kind of like, oh, ah. But I, I specifically remember the point in that movie when my stomach just dropped was when they, it was that newsreel. Is that news report? Yes, the, remember the that? birthday it's party like, one? Yes. It's, the, like the, it's like the sort of found footage or amateur yes. video of, and like. And Joaquin Phoenix just like recoils <laughs> from it. And, and like, dude, I just, when I, that thing walked through the frame for half a second. Oh, I should show my kids like, that movie. Like, I, like, I, 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 
I think that's a scary movie, but not oh. like horror scary. Like it's a it's like goofy enough, but maybe not traumatizing. Uh, I don't well, know. It's the it's the it's the typical Shyamalan thing of it's great right up until the twist at the end, and then it goes full goof, and then <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, it's a little harder to take seriously now. Yeah, and if we yeah, bring this all full circle. Yeah, we saw the signs, and now we're old. Back to Vinny and his. his, mm. his oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw the sign, and now my back hurts. Um, the uh, uh, there's a mod for signs that ch- <laughs> changes the ending. It it's makes great. the ending yeah, not makes, fucking <laughs> stupid as shit. It, it changes the ending, and uh, you won't swing believe it. Swing away. Yeah, it's actually just that uh, he goes onto an actual park bench swing, and that's the end of the. Sixth movie. Sense still a great movie. Six Unbreakable Sense. still pretty good. I. I remember loving Unbreakable. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I've kind of wondered if it would hold up, especially because they made pretty that, good. They, they made that, or I should say he made that quasi-sequel that I never saw. Well, he made a quasi-sequel, and then he made an actual sequel. It's like a trilogy, like, isn't there? Wait, really? Yes. They, the, so what was it? Um, Split. Isn't what I'm just... Yeah. Oh. It, Split is, is in that universe, and then he made the Mr. Glass movie, which I think just ties everything is that, together. Is that just called Glass? I, I believe it's just called Glass. I don't I, know if it was particularly well-received. I don't think i've ever heard of split before split is um um professor x right from the new x yes james mcavoy and it is a uh hey if you love uh split personality tropes uh (laughs) yeah right they're all in there goes all the fucking way with that shit yeah so that one is just same universe but not connected to the original story i think the the i think there's a scene in it that that connects it at the end if i remember correctly and then they do the big like conglomerate like bring everything together thing in glass I, I, I very much enjoyed Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs, and then I saw The Village, mm-hmm. and that was the last time I kept up with Shyamalan's creative output. I, I think he's maybe had his time. Split, I, I, Split has levels of um, FMV-style approaches to mental uh, disorders oh. and problems of like 80s, FM, like 80s 90s, 80s FMV, 90s, where, yeah. where, where you're like, hey... <laughs> beware here like uh, this would be an episode of the x-files but it would be one of the ones that's on the skip list <laughs> I, me- I remember watching it being like wow wow just we're just you're just going all for it huh you're not you're not gonna win uh the oscar for this one but uh you're you're really putting I'm not sure you're on. gonna win much of anything for this one yeah, yeah. is 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 the happening the crazy plants one? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Now that the, is a truly risable the, movie. So I, I didn't. That yeah, like I said, the village was the last one of his that I saw. But I that was the point where I was like, maybe I won't check back in with him after all. So that's Mark Wahlberg, right? Yes. In, in that one. And, and then, I uh, have never thought Mark Wahlberg was like a great actor. There are things I've enjoyed him in. He's very good in Boogie Nights. That was the movie that made me think he shouldn't be an actor at all. He's like, he's in the The Departed, right? Yeah. Is he okay? And I only seen it once. I thought it was. I don't have. I'm pretty sure his only direction in that movie was "You're from Boston." <laughs> Run with it. <laughs> yeah, just just give me as much of the accent as you can. Um, the village is uh, uh the lead in that is um oh she was in, uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, yes, Bryce Dallas. Oh my gosh, we were like going down the list of Annapurna ah, <laughs> cast man. members. Uh, like um, yeah, I. I I thought the happening is probably the weakest. I think out of all the ones we just mentioned. Have you seen Lady in the Water? No, I didn't. Don't. I didn't. Is okay. Is that is that on? Is, I I think it. I, I think it's up in the air as to whether that or the happening is the worst okay. one. I don't know. But Lady in the Water is insufferable. Oh okay. God, he got Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he did. For okay. that, he got. Huh. 
You got him. Now Paul Giamatti can be led, added to the list from Ripper of, have you been in a Shyamalan movie? He's in the Shyamalan-iverse. Uh, Say that three times fast. Uh, I I unfortunately get uh, uh, um, the water one confused with Shape of Water. Uh, mm, a much better yes. movie. Which which I have, heard, I have also not seen it, but it, it, people definitely correct me when I get it wrong and say, no, 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 no. That is a very... Is a different movie. Yeah, I did not like Shape of Water. Shape of Water as much, quite as much as other people did, but uh, it is a much better movie than Lady in the Water. Um, yeah, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Shyamalan. Is, I feel like he should be cleaning up now with all the uh, 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 premium television out there. I feel like well suited to doing a series out there. But is there nothing in the Shyamalverse? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Okay. Well, M Night. Like M Night's a cool name. He just put out that movie. Old, which, yeah, so wait, he put out a movie called Old, which I had not heard of until oh, just now. It's the How beach that, that makes you old. Oh, that's all beaches. You can stay in the sun too long. There's mm-hmm. UV rays. Very interesting, creepy looking poster. Okay. I have I have seen some clips from early parts of that movie, and uh, I'm just going to say it right now, I don't think he still got it. I don't uh, think he still got it. Is it? Do you know if it's a an, can can Shyamalan make a movie that is not a twist movie and be? Hang on, I'm just going to control F twist in this Wikipedia page. Okay. Oh, there's a twist. I read what the uh, twist is. Oh, don't tell me. I, I'm not I, going to, okay. but I'm just telling you, it's barely a twist <laughs> and it's bad. It wasn't the even, beach, it was the ice I cream. I don't even know what it is, but I just did land on this line. The film's themes and twist ending okay. received a polarized response. Oh, you don't say yes. that. Yes. All right, well, listen, that's, a, that's a hard shtick to keep up. I don't, I don't think he cannot do that. It's time to say goodnight to M. Night. Damn. Like, would you say Hitchcock stuff was like uh, like for me the hitchcock stuff was never necessarily about the big twist you know it was, it was about the it's more like the intrigue yeah like like it, it was like, like i feel like I'm, I'm not the biggest hitchcock academic but like you know it's the the the, the whole thing like the whole the whole vibe yes was sense, was, of, sense of foreboding yeah like, like it's that, a different yeah. it's a different thing like it yeah like you could you could tell me the twist in a hitchcock thing and i'd still enjoy watching it i think if you told me the twist in some of the Shyamalan stuff i think it would ruin the experience i think you know? there is an appreciable style to hitchcock stuff and like you know like a lot of the filmmakers hitchcock kind of low-key fell off toward the end of his career as well but like his best stuff holds up not because there's a big surprise in it necessarily but because he has a style and a method that mm. and and got very good actors together to tell these stories and i think i think that stuff holds up for that reason the big twist like it's just every fucking every movie everything has to have a twist or something to it now and it's just it's like no just tell just fucking no (laughs) well the the hitchcock stuff also you know when i see it talked about again i'm not a scholar of hitchcock Mm -hmm. but uh it's also about the filmmaking technique right and the kind of uh, pushing the boundaries there so anyway um you know it's that sense of dread in Hitchcock, uh-huh. ah. in, it's that sense of dread in oh, Hitchcock man. that uh, you, you know something's coming. The extremely think, possible pivot. That's yeah. better than the one I had, which what? is that I I prefer the Metroid system of measurement <laughs> <laughs> versus the, the Imperial Imperial droid. It's a uh, uh, okay. Listen, the Imperial droids are on the starship, and then the uh, the Metroids are in Shea Stadium. Uh, they're, uh, they're the Metroids are the Mets. Anyway, sense of dread. <laughs> Metroids, uh, baby, love the Metroids. <laughs> Meet the Metroids. Uh, Metroid Dread. It's mm-hmm. time for the video game. Finally, Metroid yeah. Three is here. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's Metroid Five, man. 
Oh, is it? Super I, Metroid straight up says Metroid 3 at the front of the game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I thought this was, was part of like the trilogy, though. I always I always thought that was so rad that that game boots up and says Metroid 3, but that <laughs> phrase, that name appears nowhere else on that product. Mm-hmm. Every single other place, it's Super Metroid, except that one thing they just acknowledge. Yes, this is the third Metroid. I, um... So wait, what was Metroid 4? Fusion. Fusion, right. So, okay. so Zero Mission came out on GBA, but that is just a remake of one, so they don't count that one. And, then and they did is... an update of two outside of the Game Boy, right? Yeah, they did. It was on the 3DS a few years okay. ago. So that was Mercury Steam, who also made right. Dread. So they gotcha. kind of cut, cut their teeth on a Metroid game with that remake, and now here they are, making I, what I think is a pretty fine Metroid game. I think this Metroid game is fine. I mean... Wait, I, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. No, like, it is not... It's pretty fine. Like, the way you said it. Yeah, like, I okay. think this is pretty... Like, uh, pretty fine, fine. not fine. Like, it's pretty fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I think it's fine. great. I think it's, it's a great fine. game. Um, I finished it last night. I think I got the crap ending, but that's fine. Like, um, what, wait, what is with every game having multiple endings? I don't know if this like, one does. I just assumed oh, it did because okay. it, it has a bit of a thing at the end where you're like, oh, are we going to do? Oh, I guess we're not going to do something. Like, I, you know, I think, have all Metroid games had multiple, like, not, not, not narrative endings, but like, hey, Samus gives you a thumbs up or like Samus is doing a wave or. Yeah, you know, oh, like you, one, one famously has that, like, oh, which outfit is she going to end yeah, up in thing? But so have they all had that think, since? I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't th- know. Um, anyway, I, I, it took me about nine hours to finish. Uh, oh, they, wow. show you, they show your completion time at the end. Yeah, it's not super long. So it said I completed it in nine hours, and then when it dropped me back out, you know, you can continue playing the game before the boss fight. The time said eight hours. So How? I spent huh. about an hour, a ninth Damn. of that game on that last boss fight. That's short. Wow, that's rough. Yeah. I wonder if they're counting every death to an Emmy in that tally or not. Uh, probably not. Cause if they were, it might be something like 18 hours. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I, uh, my, my, my overall thoughts having finished it. Um, I think that game is challenging. I think, I think the challenge for me, a lot of it came in the overloading that controllers button combinations in trying to pretzel your fingers to get every left trigger, right trigger, right bumper, push Y at the same time combination of power weapon you need sometimes for a fight. They made some choices, and I think some of those choices were necessary just by virtue of the kind of game it is, the kind of aiming control they want to give you, and the number, sheer number of abilities they want to drop on you. But unfortunately, by virtue of choosing to do all of that, you have created some control situations where I wanted to actually throw my controller at the TV, and I didn't because it's an expensive television. I don't want to do that, but man, they um. Okay, how do we all feel about not being able to use the D pad to move around? I, I that was one of the main things I wanted to come in here and talk about is that I think the controls are by and large fantastic in this game. I think mm-hmm. they're like amazingly tight for being on an analog stick because. Mm-hmm. Typically, I hate playing 2D games on an analog stick, or I hate being forced to do it, right? Because, like, it's just a way faster turning radius on a D-pad, right? You can just rock that thing back and forth. But, like, this is one of, if not the best-feeling 2D games on an analog stick that I have played. Like, Unless you want to duck. The ducking is the one thing, yes, that, like... I would say most of the time I push down on the stick, she does not actually duck. It's very confusing why that is the case. I I I think... I think if she has any momentum at all, she won't duck. I think there's definitely been a couple of times where I go to quickly duck and where I'm aiming down into the right or down yeah. to the left. I think so. 
you know, you get the morph ball. It's a Metroid game. They map it so that you could just tap the left trigger to change into the morph ball without having to hit down, which is very, very oh, helpful. Interesting. I haven't uh, gotten it yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's that slide mechanic in the game. So, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you're running. Uh, you can also hit the left trigger to slide. Yeah. Um, I think the slide is one of those things that I think is, is what makes the controls. Like I, I feel very mobile and very like yes. loose in that game. It's and I fast. think the omni, the omnidirectional aiming is also huge. Like I've really enjoyed that part of it. It's fast. The The game moves very quickly. It, 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 I think that controller gets overloaded. I think by yeah. the, when they are demanding some real tight timing later on in that game, uh, it's, Okay, there's a thing. I don't know if this was in other Metroid games. What do they call it? Um, well, I, I won't get into spoilers because I don't, don't want to give away too many of the abilities. But there's there's like a thing where you move very quickly and then have to dash, basically. And I hate how you trigger that stuff. It's, it involves pushing, it involves sprinting, then pushing down, and then charging a thing, and then pushing a direction. And it's like just too complicated to make it fun. Uh, and it's how you get some collectibles, and and I I don't enjoy it, and yeah, uh, it, it gets in its own, it trips over itself, I think. But uh, the boss challenges I found satisfying generally. I, I think the encounters with the bosses, for the most part, it's one of those games, and I, I don't know if you guys have this experience with pattern recognition bosses, but this is like pattern recognition by the numbers bosses. Yeah, this very is much so, like. I, I hit a boss, I wipe the first seven times, and every time there's a new pattern, I wipe on it, and then by the time I beat the boss, I probably do it almost flawlessly, because I have memorized each pattern to get up to, you know, past that part, and then by the time I beat the boss, it's I could almost do it without getting hit. I'm not saying it's I'm, I'm great at games, I'm saying I've done it so many times where I have memorized the pattern, and that's what this game is. Like, the, the bosses go through their patterns, and once you learn that pattern, you can kind of get through it. Yeah, and that feels good because it feels good to play the game, right? Like, I don't yeah. mind that those boss fights are pretty rote in design because once you execute on them, it, you know, like that first boss, it's got you, there's multiple skill shots where you're hitting a moving target, there's like sliding under it a couple times, there's parrying it, like all those tight timing things feel good when you hit them. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, my problem with that first boss, and that's the only one I've done so far, my problem with that first boss is that I just, I, again, it comes down to the aiming, and I don't really <laughs> like the aiming that much in so this what game. You, I did, my, I'm actually curious what everybody's playing it on. I'm using a, a straight-up Nintendo Pro Controller. So am I. Yeah, okay. same here. Okay. Is yeah. It, yeah like as I, opposed I have, to the Joy-Cons? I have, I have definitely extra... See, like I, That's a pretty common complaint looking at Twitter over the weekend of the kind of controller finger pretzel you have to play to get a lot of that stuff to work, but I've yeah. extra seen people who are playing it handheld or portable. Uh, oh, I about, bet that sucks. Talk about really not like liking using the Joy-Con sticks and, and so forth. I mean, there there's a lot of holding down like ch- at least two to three buttons oh, at yeah. a time. And, yes. and the difference between like holding down like a, a, a bumper versus a trigger is a different weapon. And you have to have all of that ready at your uh, muscle memory otherwise the switching on some of the bosses is really tight for some of those things i I've, it's training my brain let's say <laughs> uh to remember some of that stuff has kind of been a lot of like i'm trying to think of an example like it's like oh which shoulder button is it that activates missiles which yes, one right when i'm in when i'm doing this me sequence where i've got the omega cannon yes hang on which one do i hold down first left and 
Yeah, so it's yeah, that's what it is. It's left like left to go over the shoulder. I think it's left and then right and then Y or X. I forget. Left like, to go yeah, over the shoulder, right bumper to, to you do this so many times. Left to go over the shoulder, right to go into to charge. the charge, and then the Y charge. to trigger the charge. But then they I don't know if you've gotten up to the second part of the Emmy yeah, with thing the, with the rapid fire stuff. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so you have a, to wear them down one. by only holding left and then <laughs> after that's done, then you charge with yeah. right. And yeah. a bunch of times I failed those because in my mind, you charge with right and then just let off right to fire. Yes. That's, that's yeah. not it. I've Holy done that cow, a that times. happened to me. That happened to me even after like eight hours. Right. I was still I've, doing that. Yes. Like I've done that a couple times. And then at that point you're screwed and the Emmy yeah. touches you and it is, it's instant death. And you have your one out of 30 chance of uh, yeah. breaking free. So then <sighs> for people that don't know in this game, there's a parry mechanic that again, I, I think I've played most of the Metroids, but I, I don't know if I remember all of them, but the parry seems new. I think it is uh, new. So the, game, right? the Mercury Steam remake of two had it on the 3ds it, they, okay they, that, i like that, that game I, uh, I, I don't remember it but I, <laughs> but I do like it i never played it this kind of makes me want to go back and play it because because uh, this is pretty damn good but um i beat it I like in the parry, a game of the year trip uh nice it uh the, yeah i like the parry the parry the parry also feels good the timing on it and and the fact that you know you get an instant kill off of it and mm-hmm. you get a ton of a ton of pickups off of it like all that all those all those loops all those little mechanical loops feel really good to me satisfying so the the um, parry thing is is pretty big and then uh so the the emmy stuff which is uh there's a, a number of invincible robots on the on the planet you're on you go into these cordoned off areas where the emmy pretty much hunts you like a resident evil game like it is yeah. it is stalking you you can either burn through it which is what i wind up doing after a while or you can try and kind of skulk your way around to not trigger the emmy to, to race after you which yeah it's it, it's got like it's kind of a two-part thing where it's got a gigantic hearing radius if you yeah, kind of yeah. move at all within its hearing range it'll go on alert start looking for you but it doesn't full-on chase you until it gets visual contact so you i found those chases pretty exciting and in, in spots in like, spots i in think spots in, there, there yeah. are there are times when you can you have to maneuver on like kind of a split second window around different platforms to keep it from seeing you that i have found like really exciting and then there have been other times where like like you know there was one time like you go through a door and it's the typical metroid <laughs> thing if there's like an animation as you transition through a yeah. door from one room to another right it was literally standing on the other side of yes. the door to the point that I didn't even come out of the animation of going through the door, to, so I even got control back before it just grabbed me and killed me. And I was like, "Come on, game!" Yeah, like I feel like the Emmy stuff is like seventy-five percent of the way to being great, but that twenty-five percent it's missing is really fucking important because, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it borders it's, on frustrating. It, it it doesn't border on it. It just is frustrating. <laughs> okay, and enough. like I, it, the thing is, like the timing window you have to escape is extremely narrow, and I don't necessarily mind by that design. Aspect. Yeah, by design. Yeah, but I think they could have literally like giving you an extra half second. And that would have made the world of difference because at this point it's like one out of every 15 tries. Maybe I get it, you know, but like, yeah. he, like if you just narrowed it just, or, or stretched out just a little bit further, I feel like that could have been like, you know, every third try you managed to get past one. And that's like a lot less frustrating. I mean, to, to clarify for people who haven't played it, like when, when an Emmy catches you, it straight up goes to like a close up cutscene view of yes. it about to stab you. And there's like yeah. two, I think you have to hit two parries in a row it's, to escape. No, no, you know it's you, one, you, but the timing window is extremely well, narrow. You, you get two. You get it, oh, well, later, later it on. You get two if they okay. have the sh- the Emmys change. You get. I they see. Get a oh, so okay. it's if, if I you miss that part. The, yet. So if you oh, so if you miss the first one, you get a second one. Is that what it yes, is? Yes, but okay. you're you're essentially guessing. Like there's kind right. of no reaction time it's you can have. Very, very fast. I mean, 
yes, it's frustrating. I kind of prefer that it's super hard rather than I, too easy. Like if I'm kind of with Brad if on I, that. If, yeah. I, if, I, if I knew that I was probably going to parry my way out of getting caught, those things would have no stakes at all. But, I, I, again, I, it's not that I don't want there to be those stakes. It's that the way it is now, and, and maybe this is just that I suck. I'll, I'll accept that if that's the case. But no, like, no, every I, time I run into one of those things and I don't, like, I'm, I'm in an inopportune position to dart my way around them. I feel like I just end up walking through a door, fighting them over and over and over again until I get lucky and I figure out the exact point when they can, they're just far enough away for me to escape. Like, that, so, and it's just, it's like doing that 10 times in a row is not fun. Well, that, that's why I was talking about the cat and mouse being fun to me is that like, I mean, this is not like, oh, I'm so good at this game or whatever, but it's yeah. like, like I'm really pushing myself to not get caught by them. So like, I just haven't been caught that many times because like that cat and mouse loop is really fun to me of like, oh, like I have a split second window when it goes down on top of this platform to see if it's going to go left or right. And that's, then I know I can go the other way because you can see it's vision cone. You yeah. can, like but very- there are certain areas where like there just isn't that much maneuverability. Like I've gotten into a couple of those Emmy zones where it's like, yes, there's a big open area and I can sort of like trace my path of like, okay, they're going that way. I can go this way. There are others where it's like a lot more condensed and vertical and like there just aren't that many escape routes. And so like if you don't time it perfectly, you're basically just going to keep wandering into that wall over and over yeah, and over you, again. You will get caught by those things for sure. But I, I, and the, but the lastly though, the checkpointing is generous enough mm-hmm. that it's like it's generally pretty it, good. Like I definitely, when I get caught and it feels kind of shitty, I'm like, ah oh, man, come on. But like within ten seconds, you're so close to you're practically back where you were. So some of that changes a little later on. I, I feel like you're both spot on. <laughs> it, like you're both exactly right. Like. When when the cat and mouse stuff works, it feels really really good. Like when you you get a thing that basically makes you invisible to them scanning, yeah, but yeah, but it I, kind I of in a that. death loop way, it runs out a little too quickly for my taste. And then they the way the mechanic they have on it, and this is probably the thing I would change. The mechanic they have on it is once you pop it, you can't pop it again and let, until it fully recharges. So if you turn it on and it starts running out, and that Emmy's taking its sweet ass time to come find you, you can't turn it off and wait again without moving to recharge it. And as soon as you move, you make a sound that alerts the Emmy. So there are times where the Emmy, it looks like the Emmy's coming for me. I pop the cloaking thing and the Emmy makes another turn and then I'm stuck there burning that thing. I mean, it goes slower when you're standing still, but um, I just want to unpop it and run back and forth to, to charge it up again. And there are times when I pop it and the Emmy just bumps into me. Like it just is on its loop and I'm hanging on a wall and the Emmy just nudges into me and I'm like, well, that sucked. You know, yeah. I was just in the wrong spot. But when it works and the Emmy does its little thing of like looking at you and scanning you and then turns around and goes the other way, it feels cool. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a cool yeah. thing. Like, ha ha. Yeah. But when, when I walk into those rooms and I try to do that and it takes me and my sense of time in these things is always wrong, but let's say it takes me 45 seconds that I've done the stealth thing. And then at the very last bit I get caught and I have to start that room over again. I'm just running through that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later on, there are rooms where you go from Emmy room into Emmy room into Emmy room, like a three parter, and it'll start you outside the first one. So that stuff does take a little longer when you've navigated an Emmy room, then you go through a door that's into the same or continues that Emmy zone. It doesn't checkpoint you into the, you know, that room, it checkpoints you at the beginning of that, that thing, but that's later in the game when you're supposed to have more abilities and stuff. And the Emmys get harder. I, I found the Emmy stuff to be not mu- detracting mostly f- on the whole, but it's it actually doesn't become that big a part of the game. Also, I love blowing the shit out of them when you kill oh, them. Oh, yeah. Like, when, 
But yeah. again, I wish you didn't have to like hold down five different buttons in order to do it. But when you do finally nail those things, like it is actually very satisfying to have an Emmy zone cleared and just so, feel like you yeah. can wander around those places yeah, freely like, like, again. Like like melting the face shield off of that thing <laughs> the first time you get to do it with yes. that rapid fire cannon feels real good, even though it's like it's a little weird. I don't know if this changes later on, but it's a little weird to me how prescribed those that sequence is of like there's no guesswork here. There is no creativity on your part there is nothing do exactly what we say like hold the exact button combinations to to like first melt off the face shield then charge up the thing then blow its face off like so so it's almost a quick time it's almost a quick time event is what i'm saying it it might have been better served by being one other other than spacing which is the one thing because those things take a long time to charge so like that is kind of an interesting aspect of that of like i've got to find like a good long straightaway where I can just wail on this thing for like the seven seconds it takes to do this. Yes. Because if I don't have enough space, it's going to catch me before I kill it. Like, so that becomes cool. the puzzle part of it. So th- yeah. those are those to me became more interesting that they design out the levels later okay. on to that's make cool. that like, oh, this is actually very, very, very hard or harder. That's, not extremely hard, but that's, like that's interesting. Like you have to run an obstacle course to find your straightaway. Hmm. Uh, and that to me became really interesting. Like, oh, yeah. I, this is fun because you're trying to find where am I going to have, where am I going to have just enough time to melt that face shield off and then pop the thing. If you want, you don't have to do them together, but it's really fun when the Emmy is a centimeter away from your face and you finally get that face shield melted off and it staggers for a second and dies. Um, I, Metroid games and this one in particular also extremely satisfying and hard to put down because for the most part, you're getting a sick ability once you've defeated something like uh, mm-hmm. um, it, there's a nice reward for having taken down an Emmy or a boss or something. Occasionally when there's not, it's a little deflating when you're like, what? No new ability. And it, it I have gotten a bit lost in that game and, and being like, well, I'm not really sure where I have to go next, but generally they point you towards an elevator or a, a teleporter or a tram or something to move you on. And I think if, I have found if they kick you out of a boss fight or something and there's just an elevator, just take it. That's yeah. kind of where they want you to go. Go to the next zone. Cause you do God, there are like 52 different connections between this, all the worlds I, there. Yeah. It's, I got, I got painfully lost after the first boss, after you get the cloaking device. Yeah. Wait, was it the cloaking? No, no, no. I take that back. I'm sorry. It was before you get the cloaking device. It was after you get the, the, the spider magnet, the thing that lets you climb mm-hmm. the blue walls. Like I found, I found a bunch of guides out there saying like, "Here's it's easy to get stuck here. Here's blah blah blah." And I, okay. I felt oh, I think you got it. Lost in the exact same place I did. <laughs> it was specifically there were more fake blocks to shoot out than I realized. There's a I lot of that. I won't, I won't get into it, but I had shot the bottom one out, and they tease you with so many of the morph ball size kind of. <laughs> Uh, which yeah. you do not have at that stage nooks and crannies which yeah they hold they don't give you the morph ball for a while so i thought it was just another one of those anyway the, it's not worth getting into but i got super super lost i definitely uh, like went around like the bottom part of the map when yeah. i re- when i did yes. not realize that oh i can just knock this shit out and jump across this thing there are so many dead ends early on in the game of yes. like oh well that corridor is angled so you can't climb up that yes. like oh this one needs a morph ball that i don't have yet this door is like, just labeled one. sealed with no yes, this, yes. intention of what though, that means even though i have been on the other side of this door it is now sealed for some reason like i definitely hit a lot of those the so one, se- sealed doors mean that you have to if you open it from the other side and you have saved um, that'll stay open usually. So, like, you, it's when the but door. You have to open seen, it from the other side. Have you seen that animation where the door kind of breaks and falls down? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. That that's usually a sealed door on the other side. Huh. Okay, that's in my in my memory of it. 
the one uh, the one thing the map has it's a, it's a pretty good map like other than like you know <laughs> i guess map and level design are two different conversations right <laughs> sure. like I, I think i think it's a little less directed and a little bit harder to find your way around than most metroid games like there's not as much of an organic flow to yeah. some of the exploration i feel like yeah um but the thing the map has that I think is amazing that I have not seen in any of this type of game, and maybe somebody has done this before, but you can highlight one of anything on the map, like whether yes. it's a door type, a pickup type, like anything that is an icon on the map, and hit a button, and it will highlight every other Hell thing of that yeah. type yes. on the map. It is fucking amazing for I just got this new power, yes, and I want to see all of the new things I can use it on, and you yeah. just do that, and it just shows you all of them, and it rules. There's there's a number of really smart things in that game like that, and I I feel like they have done a really good job of making a classic style Metroid that feels fairly modern. It's just like if it weren't for just some of that control stuff yeah. and just some of that Emmy stuff, I feel like I would actually love this game as it is. I'm having a good time. Not a hundred percent sure I'm going to see it all the way through, but we'll see. Oh wow. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not a big Metroid person. Like that's yeah. I, it's not my franchise, and also Metroidvania games in general are always, almost always, ones I bounce off of eventually because the map clearing thing that everyone loves about those games does not trigger my brain the same way as as people who love those games. Like it doesn't do it for me. I, I think I think Brad, I'm with you on the level design of this one. It it, it didn't do it for me on, on yeah. this game. Um, the the way they segment the worlds or the areas of the map. In, they really re- reuse a lot of those areas and break them up uh, in ways that I didn't find that satisfying. As you're leaving an area, coming in, then returning to it from the bottom, leaving that, and then returning to it from like the southwest mm. of it, you know. Um, and, you know, it's interesting and like, oh, now we're all interconnected again and I opened up all the shortcuts. But it, it definitely, it, you feel like you're backtracking in ways that you're actually not backtracking. And, and, and my brain always had me feeling like I was going the wrong way. You know, like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Am I actually going back to this first place? This feels wrong. And then suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I'm here. Um, I realize I'm supposed to be here because I'm talking to the robot, the computer again, or I'm at a a new save point. So that that is interesting. I I think that game needs some more options i i can get why they wouldn't do there are like no options in that game like there there are no colorblind options which i found annoying there are no because you know all the teleporters and elevators are all color connected uh in Uh the thing you know Um, how nintendo do yeah um and there are no remap control options in that game uh which i for the life of me until hour nine minute nine and one minute or whatever i beat it on was still pushing the quote-unquote back button which i guess is the minus thing to pull up the map like I, yes. n- I yep. never stopped changing the brightness on my game because I would constantly hit that back button and push a, yep. uh, and go into the brightness setting. Uh, I just wanted to change. That's like, I, I'm, really I'm, the thing. I want yes. to change. Like map, map should not be on map should be on, not the start button. Yes. Map, map should be on whatever the option button is. That is not the start button. It should not be <laughs> on the start button. Excuse me. Plus. Uh, yeah, I think they do a pretty good job of explaining what your abilities are and showing yeah. like little movies and how you're going to use them. I think all of that's great and fun. I think the enemies are for the most part fun. I think the scaling of the difficulty, uh, I'm not great at games. And I, again, I found it rewarding and challenging even at the end where I said I spent like an hour on that last boss. I, I felt like I could do it. Like I, okay. I, I felt like I could do it and I felt pretty damn good having done it. Um, Though when they do kick you out and you get the credits and at the end after an hour and then the first thing you see is like unlocked hard mode. I'm like, fuck you. Whoa. <laughs> Not a, just, the hell you say. Um, but yeah. I'm, 
I'm the, excited to see that later game stuff because I I love a hard game. It's challenge. It's, it's like and, Cuphead level. That's and, what it is. Yeah. It's Cuphead, right? It's, it's like it's, it's got a Cuphead vibe to it. The discussions of the difficulty have reached such a crescendo at this point that I'm like, okay, I have to see all this. Stuff. I, mean, I was going to finish it anyway, but I now I extra want to see these late game bosses and stuff. It feels like there's real. It's a match between the pattern recognition, which it is. It is to a, some would probably argue to a fault. Like I said, like there are times when I get to a pattern, I wipe the third time in, I don't get hit at all. Like you just, it's that level of predictable and you mm-hmm. just learn what you have to do to not get hit. Um, like I almost took a screenshot on the last boss where I was getting through, uh, some of it, uh, with full health. And I was like, Oh, I should take a screenshot of this. Uh, just because, you know, I needed my full health bar a, because you just have done, I had done it for an hour and B because I knew that when I got to the, a certain section, I was going to burn through with seven energy tanks. Uh, also, the missile economy. Let's talk about the missile economy. Two missiles on a missile uh, missile yeah, tank. Yeah, yeah. But also, people, the guys are dropping missiles like nobody's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Missiles come from everywhere. Every missile pickup is more than one, right? I don't know how Use many. Use your missiles. Is, like, yeah, like, they they give you stuff. I don't know if that continues on the bosses, but like that first boss, you can get a bunch of resources back throughout the boss fight. Most well, of yeah, the you bosses get to the first have stage, that. and you literally just see the icons fly at you. Like, <laughs> here's that. your and missiles. Like, that cut that happens in the cutscene. Like yeah. literally, it goes yes. to a cutscene of the boss doing some shit, and yet there are these power ups flying at the camera. Yes, um, um, they, most of the bosses have something that will let you farm or or regain okay. uh, missiles. Though, uh, even even at the end, I was burning through missiles where you hear that click 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 click, and I was like, oh man, now what do I do? I need to get to. Uh, I need to find another way. Also, that was on me. Complaints about the missile tank pickups. There's no sound effect. There's like nothing. Oh. When you pick up a missile tank or an energy tank, there's just like a little click sound. There's no little, there's no Metroid item jingle when you get that stuff. And that's, yeah, that's very sad. Sound effect too. You get, I mean, you get a morph ball, you get bombs. The bomb sound doesn't have that. Bleep, mm, bleep, which uh, I thought they could just like remix that's, in there. That's a shame. I don't know if you saw in the intro when you're flying down to the planet and it's, or maybe before that, but they're showing the kind of computer displays of the Metroid and the X and all mm. that stuff. They straight up use sprites from Metroid yes. One in the computer display. <laughs> yeah, that little I like that uh, was so pulsing Metroid. Yeah, that was so incredible. I wish there were some more references like that in there. But uh, um, I will say also the story in this thing. I can tell you, I think exactly what happened. I don't think I understand thirty percent of it. Yeah, like, that, sounds, that is the Metroid experience. Hey, look, the the Chozo work in mysterious ways. That's all. Oh, we are we are so far say. gone from the mother brain is a space yeah. pirate trying yeah. to get a Metroid into like really. Mm-hmm. really yeah. is this what we're doing okay yeah. yeah i mean i think they had alluded to the fact that they were moving on from the core metroid stuff after this game or something like that so yeah but oh boy i can't wait for I'm, you guys to to look it up or to finish it i, I was a little surprised at how much it f- feels it, it feels like the look and feel of this game was influenced by metroid prime more than anything mm-hmm. like it really looks and especially sounds like metroid prime like the music to me in particular stylistically is just straight out of metroid prime like like looking at you know looking at those last couple of Game Boy Advance games, like if you look at the box art for those, like mm-hmm. it is a very different Samus suit design. Mm. And they're then in this one, they're straight back to the Prime era, just like football uniform, yeah. gigantic shoulder pads and stuff like that. And like very everything's very high tech looking and and like mystical Chozo stuff. It's just it's it's very Prime esque to me as opposed to kind of being its own thing. Well, My, uh, ostensibly, there is a Prime game coming, so I can understand yeah, why maybe they want sure, to tease that out a little. I, I'm sure there is just straight-up marketing synergy going on there, but... My uh, uh, my six-year-old, upon seeing it, uh, did say, why is her helmet so small? 
uh, has her head fit in that small <laughs> helmet, which I thought was very funny. It's not, uh, it's, not, it's not small helmet. It's just big shoulders. That's right. Yeah. The giant shoulder pads. I like the suit design in this. I it's like not the, bad. Uh, it's, it's not bad, but I'm, like I'm, sitting here, I'm sitting here looking at the Fusion and Zero Mission box art and like... Mm. Those harken much more to the Metroid One, like kind of more sleek, mm. slender bodysuit kind of design versus the real chunky. Like it's almost like World of Warcraft, like giant pauldrons to me. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> the sure. Suit, yeah, the suit is a little bit silly, but it's fine. Uh, she just tucks into one of those shoulders when she becomes a mer- yeah, morph ball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do. I like the animation when you die. The suit exploding. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, that's, that looks really nice. That's cool. I think yeah. the. Um, for the most part, the checkpointing is really generous. Um, you know, it's except not just when back, it isn't. Except when it isn't. But I, for the most part, I found it pretty good. Like it doesn't put you back to a save point. It'll usually put you just a room or two uh, behind. Uh, though, if you do exit the game, it'll put you into that save point. So heads up on that. Obviously, uh, the um, the last boss fight though does have a thing where it's like you need to start this boss. You need to you need to be past this point to start the fight and it's like a little bit of a load so like when you're doing a thing for an hour like i was again not the greatest action games but like you don't want to be starting before the load you know you want to yeah. be after the load so and i will say like the load times in this game are not bad but they are there enough that i suddenly realized i have gotten very used to no loading times and all of a sudden it is like oh shit this is hey, hey, just, this is here just play, again just, just play it on the pc i'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> yeah we'll get to that in a second but the the thing i'll say about the load times too is you'll probably get a sense for this as you move on anytime the the next room doesn't immediately show up and there's like a half second of black Mm -hmm. you know something's in that room Mm -hmm. Uh also the fact you have to hit two buttons to skip cutscenes, like why why i get it like you don't want to accidentally do it but who is hitting who is hitting plus during a cutscene? i had i had immediately seized on that same thing of like oh the screen is black for about three extra seconds going into this room i'm about to fight a boss yes yes um yeah and some of those some of those like weird mid bosses are sometimes more challenging than the um and then the the, full-on monster bosses brains the central units which um those i found they're not those, too bad. Those are pretty good. The there, ones are, I there, anyway. there are like rooms that'll have like, oh, this is a like an encounter, like it's a, like a mini boss encounter. That's not a full on uh, set piece encounter. That can be pretty challenging. Um, and those are those are interesting. I, it definitely ramps up. Uh, that difficulty gets out there in a way that again I found rewarding because you just bang your yeah. I have patience, or at least for me, it's a patience thing of just bang your head against it, get there. Um, but yeah, I, I, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to finishing it. I think it's it's not it's not without flaw, but it is very good. Yeah, it's the exploration I, by the end. Like you want in a good Metroid game, traversal becomes very fun in a way that you are burning through those maps. Like I gotta say, there are points where you open that map up and you're like, oh man, that thing's all the way down there, and you're there ten seconds later because the, you run very quickly in that game and you move quickly in that game. And especially near the end, you are booking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the good traversal, fun action. I'm with you, Brad. I think the I think the controls are really tight. I think it's a really tight playing game. But I do wish I could use the D pad for some stuff. Um, you know. Yeah, I I get it. But I so Ori the the second Ori game had that where you can use the D pad, mm-hmm. and I did it first. But Ori that Ori is just like this game where there is enough analog, like legit analog control on some of your abilities that switching back and forth from stick to d-pad all the time got really tiresome so i just ended up on the stick i think and just, this is the same way because like you pop into 
the movement on the analog stick on the left stick is the same as the or it's the same stick for aiming so like you go from running to 360 degree aiming like on split second there's just there's just like two or three things in that game where i want to use that d-pad um and it's it's the um the thing I mentioned before, I forget the name of the ability, but it has to do with the dash and charging up a thing and, and uh, then popping it off. Like I never felt like I was getting the sequence right. Like I was always missing it because I was like, I pushed this way and it didn't do the thing. And that is extremely frustrating. Like you can train yourself to turn into the ball by just standing still and pushing the left trigger. So pushing down, as long as you are training yourself, that's, you can overcome that part because you will have split second timing where you have to duck or, or dodge a thing uh but yeah generally um tight game really cool yep. on the yep. switch now or uh um like brad said if you're nope. some kind of don't, don't say it okay uh, no i'm just i mean you're some kind of monster some kind of space pirate boy <laughs> there you go boy that sure was some discourse over the weekend yeah man. so we, we, we had this in the news section but it probably uh we talked about it before it probably makes sense to talk about here what's going on with uh uh space pirating um hey it's not piracy it's just emulation well in this case i think we're actually we might have crossed over to the other side That's, look as far as i know there is nothing from stopping someone who doesn't even own a switch from making a nintendo account and paying nintendo for a copy of metroid dread sure before they emulate it. I think. I don't think you have to own a Switch to make that account, right? I don't know. I could be I, I, I bet you don't. I mean, if, what if your Switch got... Or, uh, I mean, what, you really want to be on the broken? Up, you really want to be on the up and up, you can just go to a store and buy a physical copy. But I, I mean, I'm like, pretty sure Nintendo... There's probably something in the EULA that says this, you should not be playing this game outside of a Switch. I, I don't... I mean, emulators themselves are not illegal. Like, that's pretty established precedent. I don't know what's up with dumping carts and all that stuff. Like, yeah. that's... I've never dabbled in any of that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Beside the, uh, outside Kata- of that, Kotaku, we've got plenty of time before this game comes to an emulator, right, yeah, Brad? Yeah, sure. Kotaku, PC Gamer, maybe some others, but both of those sites for sure ran stories about this that I don't know if this is the first, I don't, I doubt this is the first release on the Switch where this is the case. It's probably just the most prominent where it is more or less perfectly emulated on release day, much better than it is on the Switch. Yeah. Like, People are out there playing it in 4K or higher resolutions, like unlocked frame rates. So people are playing it at 144 hertz. I tried to find this. I'd swear I saw people saying that they're like they're already modding things into the game. Well, oh, so wow. there was a source code leak for this thing, wasn't there? Or am I misremembering this? No, for the game. For the game, I mean. No, not okay. That I maybe mean. I'm wrong about that. No, then. these th- there are multiple Switch emulators out there, but they have been in development for quite some. Well, I know time. the Switch emulators were out there. I was just wondering if that might have had something to do with the fact that this no, one got no, done so no. quick. No, I think Switch emulators are just getting very good, very fast. Okay, uh, uh, that's a problem for Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on who you talk to. Like you know, people. People can and will cite any kind of statistics or studies to back their argument about whether emulation, you know, actually eats into sales or not, or would those people have bought the game anyway? Mm. Impossible to know. I mean, my bigger thing is like you have a better version of the game running like that's, somewhere else. Like well, that's, that's where it gets dangerous for Nintendo, yeah. right? Is like it's the age old thing, right? Of like if people are having a better experience illicitly than they are with the thing that you are offering yeah. them for money, then there's a problem. It's right. no longer just a matter of you're or, competing with free. It's a matter of you are competing with a literally better experience. Right. It's like you can make you can, you can make ethical arguments all you want, but some people are going to go for the thing that is better. 
unless you give them unless you give them a legitimate alternative and the other thing that side of that though is that yes some people will go for that but the vast majority of people will never even think about doing this because it is a process there is stuff that involved that most the i'm going to say the average nintendo fan is not interested in in the slightest and I don't know, like, it was just weird seeing people get very up in arms about even reporting on this stuff I think over the I will, I will, I will say right now, I think there is some very strong energy around that backlash of, like, how dare you, like, I waited, <laughs> I waited 20 years for this game, how dare you endanger my chance of getting another one? And by all accounts, I'm pretty sure this game sold pretty well out of it, the it, gate. It is, if my understanding is it is the strongest Metroid launch to date. Yeah. So, and look, and that's, that doesn't necessarily factor into the morality of this, but at the same time, it's news. I'm sorry. It, it, it just is news. And you can say that maybe that Kotaku story was like a little too uh, nudging in the direction of here's how you do this, but it's still news that, that like the biggest, you know, what I'm going to say arguably one of the biggest releases Nintendo has put out this year, certainly, uh, is just available on an emulator day one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, well, not even available on an emulator is running well. Yeah, like running of, well. Yeah, or dramatically better. better. Or better. And it, like yeah. you know, some of this just speaks to the hunger for a better Switch, right? Like mm-hmm. people, that, that's exactly right. People yeah. thought people thought they were literally on the same day the OLED model was released as Metroid. Like people thought they were going to be buying a better Switch until the news on that thing came out, and it was like, oh, I mean, like people are run- very much ready for a faster Switch. I mean, this game runs well on the Switch. It, it, yeah, it totally yeah, it's not runs bad. Fine. It's a little chuggy in places, it's, but otherwise, it's, it's good. It's, like it's pretty noticeably low res when you're playing it yes. on TV. Like yeah. it is not. It's not very sharp. Yeah. So, um, like a 4K si- solid 60 or or more game version of this. Yes, please. Like I, yeah. but, but it runs okay. It runs okay. It runs fine. Yeah. But I would like to see a high res version of this. Like I, I would pay my sixty dollars and want to play this on a better system. Like that's yeah, and, the thing we've been saying about the Switch for a while. You know, you can easily just jump on YouTube and find some. You can you can see exactly what this looks like running better than it does for now on there. until Nintendo pulls all those videos. Uh, so yeah, that that evidence is all around us. It's it's pretty widespread and accessible at this point. So yeah, I, 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 I think a, I mean. Yes, I think Nintendo will see this as a problem for sure. I mean, yeah, they have yeah. to have known this problem was coming, though. It's not like those emulators just appeared out of nowhere. Like, they've been floating around for a while, and it's like, by all accounts, it sounds like the Switch has kind of been go- trending in the direction of something like the PSP, where, like, the emulation options and the piracy options are just so, like, readily available now that, like, it's kind of a problem for them. Well, they they got into that bad situation where that launch model has that hardware level exploit in it yeah that, that cannot be addressed as far as i understand and i would assume but the light doesn't have that and the i assume the oled doesn't no the oled definitely doesn't even that even that second revision of the switch that came out does not but i i started to say i would assume the bulk of the switches out there are still that launch model but i don't actually know that i bet mine i mean mine is definitely a launch model so i'm sure um, mine has it so it's it's got you know, fundamental issues with being compromised like the Dreamcast did, like the PSP and the Vita did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a get- sticky situation and like there's, you know, there's some evidence, if you believe the reporting, that they did want to ship a faster switch this year and, and couldn't for one reason or another. I think, so. I think, um, I think the switch without a doubt is underpowered in the marketplace. It's I, just really showing its age. Yeah. I think it's showing its age. I think this game, again, I think it runs, it runs fine, but I, I think the want for a higher resolution, solid frame rate version of this really great game is 
is I can see why this yeah. is, is making waves and why this yeah. is a big story. And, so and like, it would have yeah, shown that age anyway, but I I do think this has all been hastened along by the fact that the primary function of that system being the portable nature of it essentially getting wiped out over the last 18 months as people stopped going out with the regularity that they once were. Yeah, I uh, like we you, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the main game. Playing this thing without a controller, I yeah. I don't even like this game particularly. It just seems like recipe for hand cramps. I don't yeah. even know. It's hard for me to even imagine because my fingers cover up the trigger and shoulder button on those little Joy Cons anyway, um, and having to tap those little little nugget buttons on there, <laughs> those little tic tac buttons on that thing. I I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I. I used to. I used to go to bat for Nintendo every single time on their underpowered hardware because they always made games that that were made for that hardware. Right. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, the GameCube, the Wii. I mean, the GameCube actually was pretty contemporary with the other consoles. But you know what I mean. I know mm-hmm. what you mean. The, the Wii on, they were shipping hardware that was way behind the times. But the games they made were so appropriately made for that hardware that it didn't matter. But then in recent years, they've been putting out like that second Hyrule Warriors game <laughs> runs like garbage. Yeah, on the current switch, like they or even Breath of the Wild like, has its problems. Yeah, yeah, it, it's okay, but yes, it's not. It's not perfect. Like, they, yes, they they have not been living up to their own standard on some of that stuff. Yeah, and, and like again, I, I don't think this has. Um, for me, I didn't notice a ton of performance issues, except that you know, like it's a little grungy. Yeah, in, like in I, I, yeah, I think we should stress like not very little to none of what we're saying actually applies to Metroid <laughs> Dread because yeah. it runs it runs totally fine. Like it, it is pretty noticeably low resolution, but it's I, it, it's totally it chugs fine. in a couple of tiny places, but nothing significant. Uh, I think I, uh, going back to Metroid Dread is a pretty great Metroid game. I think people, uh, it sounds like I haven't really checked the temperature online, but it seems like people who are digging Metroid and have wanted this game are satisfied, right? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a range. Like there are okay. absolute. There's a, a large contingent of people saying it's game of the year. Like there's a smaller number of people I've seen complaining about like the map being hard to navigate. Yeah, uh, I, or the bosses being bosses being too hard, button mm. combos being too onerous, stuff like that. But I, I could like I could see all that stuff, and I, I I I think I agree with all of those things. I still yeah. enjoy it though. Yes, so. yes. I despite whatever issues it has, I am really eager to finish it off. Um, the Dread Metroid Dread available now <laughs> on the Switch, mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, um, and Alex- PC. That's don't no don't <laughs> no. say it's no no watch videos of it on the pc yeah look emulators are critical like you know very well how i feel about the mr project oh yeah it is like the work people do around that stuff is absolutely crucial to the preservation of video games yes uh but obviously when it's getting into the launch of commercial product territory is when it gets a little dodgy I, i think in the end you have to accept that technically all of it is piracy even the archival stuff even the the platforms and games that don't can't be bought anywhere anymore it is still technically piracy i think i have just come to peace with the fact that i don't give a shit i think that the archival aspects of it are far more important than worrying about hand wringing over that shit and while i don't think it's great that their big marquee titles are leaking in this format uh you know in a in a very easily accessible and improved way that's not really on the pirates you know, that's not really on the people who are doing this work. I mean, it is it is essentially they have that exploit and, you know, that's that's just the situation they're in now. And they've got to figure out a way to get around that and stop that from happening. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the only way to get around that is to ship a new generation of Switch. Yeah. Like, make a clean break and ship the next generation of Nintendo console. Yeah, and I, I think for this one, I would like to see some hard numbers on what they think, what Nintendo thinks this ate into, and what, you know, if anybody could ever get the numbers on. I think who I don't know, Alex or Brad, you mentioned it before, like, this is the majority of the people are buying this on their switch for yeah, this the, 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 the jury game. is still very much out on exactly how much like modern piracy actually affects current game sales. But yeah, I the, have to imagine in this case, it is a relatively low number overall, even with the reporting on it. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, Metroid dread catch the dread. Uh, should we Wait, talk no, about don't catch the dread? No, 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 no. You don't want no? that. Okay. Don't catch the dread. Judge the dread. Yay or nay? Uh, you want to talk about Sable? Yeah. What's what's going on with Sable? This one came out uh, uh, September twenty third. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was available it was, PC Xbox. Uh, were you going to say Game Pass? Uh, I was going to say on Game Pass, but also it, it was part of that demo collection that came out uh, around uh, yes. the summer for for Xbox stuff. And okay. then we played it on that stream that we did, where we played a bunch of those demos. Mm-hmm. And I finally decided to dig into that because. While I am enjoying several aspects of Jet the Far Shore quite a lot, playing that game has kind of made me angry a few times, and so I have, I you know, when I inevitably hit a wall with that thing, I I want to play something with a similar tone, but maybe that is not nearly as challenging or, you know, like, uh, arcane in some of its systems and designs, and so I, I was like, hey, I've been meaning to play Sable, I wonder if they updated that thing, because when it launched, I think the it did not run well. Yeah, I had I had planned to check it out at some point, but it had some pretty severe performance problems. So they have definitely updated it, at least in the last seven days, according to my Xbox. And so in booting it up today, I will say that other than a little bit of frame rate hitchiness here and there, uh, it seems like it's running pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a bunch of people say it's vastly improved now. Yeah. So So how is it? I played the first, like, I'd say 90 minutes, two hours of it. I got at least past the part where uh, you finally get the late title card with the Japanese breakfast song uh, playing over it. And that's a nice little moment. Um, it is a very, I, and I, I don't know if it's going to stay this way the whole way, but it seems like the vibe around that game is very much, you are on this world, you are part of a nomadic tribe, uh, you are as part of sort of, like, I don't know if it's like an age thing or if it's just, you know, something that happens to everyone within that that group eventually. Uh, you are, you get your own little jet thing to move mm-hmm. around on and you are sent out into the world. And mm-hmm. around the world are various other nomadic groups and, you know, they are all kind of cobbling together an existence out of what seems like ruined technology I don't know of a past civilization or the current civilization. It's it sort of has not really explained any of that yet, but there's a mystical element too. They talk about your little uh your your sort of jet ski thing as almost sort of like being in tune with nature itself and kind of having a uh you know, kind of its own consciousness. Do you do you build it yourself, like a lightsaber style? Like are you kind of you go hunting for parts and then okay. when you find all those parts, you go into a machine shop that puts them all together, but then at a certain point you get the ability to just whistle for it to come to you <laughs> if you are not nearby. It does okay. it does have it does have a very land speeder kind of vibe to it. Totally. The, light, the lightsaber thing, like that's yeah. But okay, a lot of like, the game up to this point is mostly just puzzle solving. Like it's going around different environmental puzzles and just kind of, you know, and, and not particularly complicated ones, at least in the early goings. And it is just kind of about doing these tasks and errands for other people and sort of branching out into the larger world. And oh, so a video game. It is, but it's like it's it's got a nice rhythm to it, at least I've found so far. 
Okay. And, uh, um, what's the tone? Because in the demo, I haven't played it yet. The demo, the the writing seemed kind of uh, tongue in cheek on some of it. Like you know, a little lighthearted with the interactions with the other characters. Is it is it a serious game or is it is it kind of because um, the setup that you describe sounds like this post apocalyptic Rumspringer style uh, go out yeah. like coming of it's, age thing? How I don't know. I- Again, I'm not super deep into it, but from what I've played so far, I would say it has kind of the tone of, like, early Zelda game as written by Austin Walker. Okay. Like, there is some playfulness and there is some goofiness, but there is also, like, a lot of mysticism and sort of, like, you know, serious character interaction. Like, your character is very conflicted about leaving, but, you know, everyone is supposed to do this. There are characters that are sad to see you going. But you have some, like, fun interactions with them as well. Like, there's a, you know, like, when it's time for you to go, and this is not really a spoiler, but, like, when it's time for you to go, you get back to the camp and everyone's just gone. And there's just, like, a mail message waiting for you from, like, the 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 tribe leader just being like, hey, everyone has to start out on their own. And that's uh-huh. just how it goes. And it's like, you know, there's a little narration. It's like, you can hear their voice cracking as they say this, you know, and it's probably better that you got it this way because you would feel a lot more emotions if you were face-to-face with this person. And, you know, like, I, I think that there is, like, a really nice kind of, I don't like, saying it feels very, you know, human is sort of trite, but, like, that's what, it's like, the, the character interactions feel, like, very authentic. Not overwrought. Not like, overwrought, no. Okay, good. Okay. Somewhere between, uh, somewhere between, like, an outer wild, carefree, we're throwing ourselves into space, and a life is strange where, oh, gosh, what's happening next? With less teen drama, but yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, yeah, no, like, it's... It's kind of, it's just nice because it's, 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 it has enough going on, but it's not super challenging. I really like the look of it. I've always liked the look of it and the way they sort of play with color space in the day night cycle is really interesting. Like I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it, trying to decide how to describe it. Like it's kind of a watercolor sort of look, I guess. It's like halfway between watcolor and cell shading. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's, it's got a unique vibe to it. Yeah, hard, and the way they to... saturate everything when it gets to, like, nighttime and the way you can kind of see, like, light and shadow sort of just, like, as, like, this, like, hard line across the thing where the color starts changing. Like, it's it's really nice. Sable. Sable. Sa- 25 bucks, PC, Xbox on Game Pass. Yes. Uh, this has been a real season of the $30, uh, the, game that, the games that were shown at press conferences and events being kind of a $30 really tight. Well, I don't know about Sable. I haven't played it, but the games that were shown not being the big budget games, a lot of, a lot of yeah. smaller tiers. I yeah. mean, that, you know, I think yeah, a lot was, of pushed games. That was kind yeah. of ine- yeah inevitable as a lot of the big budget stuff got delayed out of the fall. Yeah. A lot of the stuff was going to kind of rise to the top, but also they were just a lot of good games. Yeah, yeah kind of totally. nice to see these this tier of games uh, promoted and pushed in ways that uh, you usually didn't see previously. Kind of elbowing out maybe some games that had bigger development cycles and had to get pushed into next. Yeah. Year. I'm glad I didn't forget about this one because after playing that demo, I was super interested in it. And yeah, now that yeah. I'm in it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I want to see where this is going. I, I would like to Sable. take a look at it. Also, the back half of this month is pretty dry for games. Might be a good time. So, uh, so that's Metroid dread and Sable. How about we take a break? We'll come back, talk about back for blood and some updates on jet, the far shore and mm-hmm. outer wilds, the DLC, the echoes of the eye. You guys good with that? Sounds like yeah. a plan. Let's do it. We'll be back after this. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker Alex Navarro 
I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. <laughs> ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. Yeah. What are you doing on that vacation there? I was. I had to access my GitHub account, uh -huh. and I was doing yes. some coding, and then sure. I, I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's That's fast That's what enough. they all it's say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi and they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on which I can vouch for it's pretty seamless so right now go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free that's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we are back. Say it. For. Say it. Outer Wilds. Back for blood. Back. Back for blood. Back. Uh, I, um, I left that transition was left mm -hmm. for dead mm -hmm. and then this one is all is left for dead too it's more like <laughs> this is 
more uh, like left five dead. You know what I'm I saying? Don't, I don't know what that I don't know what any of us are saying. Let's talk about Back for Blood. This, yeah, this is, we, uh, if you don't, don't know. We don't have to belabor it too much. Uh, we streamed it twice now. We streamed the, the beta a month and change ago, six mm-hmm. weeks ago. And then we streamed the final version last Friday. Yes, the, the final version. The, uh, yes. the, the retail version. The, the, uh, released the released version, which is on Game Pass. And I think this is just about the perfect Game Pass game. Because I don't know how long it's going to hold up, but I'm having a pretty good time with it my first time through. Interesting. Yes. It is, it is Left for Dead with... Boy, is it. Color-coded loot mm-hmm. and card building or deck building. Yes. Like it is modern yeah. Left for Dead. It's like I already said this on the stream, but it is basically... It's basically Left for Dead with everything that has happened in video games since Left for Dead added in there. And kind of by rights, Right. Like this yeah, is a, this yeah is, yes 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 I, I I never quite understood what the situation was there but it's Turtle Rock who I if if the legend is to be believed I think they created Left 4 Dead mm-hmm. but then somehow it somehow it came under the auspices of Valve and I'm not sure what the rights are there and who mm-hmm. did what at some point but obviously Left 4 Dead very much is associated with Valve rather than Turtle Rock right. Anyway, but the pedigree is there to make yes. a Left 4 Dead like yes. game. They, I think I think they've earned it. I and then this is quite that. It is very much that. Boy, is um, it! I finished Act One last night. We got pretty close on that stream we did. But. So now I guess. Well, aside from being Left 4 Dead, can we talk about maybe some of the weirder issues since you're saying you finished Act One in terms of how the multiplayer works? So, yeah, I was wrong about what we were talking about off air. Okay. Uh, you can have multiple online campaign runs going at the same time. So, but you would have to, can you clone one or you'd have to start over again? No, you cannot clone one. So, okay. like, you can have a saved campaign run going online with friends or you can pull match-made people into those slots later yeah. if you want. But each player, like, you, you pick up loot. Like, there's color-coded guns that get that go from green to blue to purple. Stop if you've heard this one mm-hmm. over the course of a run. But all that stuff gets saved. Like, the decks they've built throughout the course of the run, everything gets saved. Between, per character. Like, or, yeah, per slot, I guess yeah, I would say. Right. So, like, I still have that run save that we did on Friday. But if I went and quick played that, if I started that up and people match made into it, then they would get all the stuff you guys had built up. Right. And then if we wiped, it would all just be gone. And so, so then later on, if you, once you finished, say you got uh, done with Act 1, if I'm like, hey, Brad, let's pick up that game we were doing, the campaign we were doing, it is all since you were the host. You you have you have then taken that run to completion. It no longer exists yes. for us. So yeah, that's another thing I discovered last night is that runs are limited to the act in which you start them. Mm-hmm. So when you finish Act One, that's it. It just dumps you back to the hub and all that. That's it. The that's run it. is over. Like you okay. can't you can't carry all the stuff you built up into Act Two. You have to start a fresh Act Two run. Just your supply line currency, which is what your permanent yeah, yes, deck, you, get, you use to buy decks or whatever. Yes, you get, because, because it is a video game in 2021, it has multiple currencies. You use yeah. one of those to unlock cards that go into your deck that you build and then draw cards from when you start a run. It's and, and, and I think because this was probably the more confusing part and maybe the biggest divergence from Left 4 Dead, the deck building aspect of that game basically is, and please take over if I'm getting this wrong, but you... You know, throughout the game, you're picking up, buying cards, and building a hand per run that can be customized up to a certain amount of cards. 15, I think it is. Yeah. 
And then yeah, um, yeah, the deck can be 15. And then I'm not sure how it determines how many draws you get. Sometimes it's five. Sometimes it's one. Yeah. I think it might be, f- think it might be five at the start of the run <laughs> and then one every, every level after that. Uh, and so you draw a certain amount of cards to basically randomize the run. It, it, the runs are randomized in that, if you're familiar with Left 4 Dead, the AI director, whatever they called it, you know, the... The, the the behind the scenes mechanics of making the run different each time. But in addition to that, you're getting things like uh, a card that will increase your stamina or a card that will give you a, um, a knife instead of a punch for a melee and, yeah. and stuff like that, which can make the runs. I assume like, I've only done the one or two, but very different. Your, your play style can be pretty different. Like uh, the party I got into last night, one person was like very obviously a melee only person. Hmm. Like they just, and you could build a deck. Like that's kind of the cool part about it. Like you could build a deck that buffs up your melee kills quite a bit. And this person yeah. was just waiting in there with a fire axe constantly. That's neat. At the, at the vanguard of our group. The Vinny uh, Caravella method. Uh, yeah. the, the, the draws are uh, are also, if, it, if it's not clear, uh, random from that 15, yeah, from your hand of 15. Yeah, so. you, can, you can have up to 15 in your deck and then it'll give you like five at the beginning of a round and say like, pick one of these. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the, neat. it also draws bad cards at the beginning of every level. Right. The, the director. Like, <laughs> yes, the director giveth and taketh away. Um, some of those are decent. Like some of them, like there's one that turns all the lights off in the level. So you've just got a very narrow flashlight to work with. And it really hits your peripheral vision bad. Hmm. Uh, so like visibility is very low. There's one that uh, kind of floods the level with fog. So you can't see very well. And it spawns a bunch of different types of monsters in. Um, trying to think. You know, there's one that like puts like little murders of crows all over the map. And if you disturb one, it brings the horde, like shit like that. Like, and if you and if you complete some of those optional objectives, you're getting more of the other currency, which is the in mission yes. upgrade currency, right? Yeah, so there's it's <laughs> sorry, I forgot it's got it's got cards, it's got loot. I forgot the third pillar of video games. It's got the counter strike store at the beginning yes. of every yes. round. They really just kind of threw the kitchen sink of modern shooters in there, but like it's fine. Like so- I don't think any of that kitchen sink is bad. Like, I think no. all those things do actually benefit the game in notable ways. Yeah, uh, but, like, you know, th- again, it's the primary thing is the rhythm of this thing is here is your, like, you you know that Left for Dead you liked? It's back in style. Here you it go. Is, it is super A to B to C. Like, the levels are extremely linear. Mm-hmm. And, like, they change a little bit with those modifier cards, but I think the, the broad strokes are always going to be the broad strokes. And, like... I don't know that I'd play through any one of these levels more than two, three times before I f- felt like I had had my fill, I would say, which is why I say it's a good Game Pass game. No, I'm with you 100% on that. I think that what, and I, I think I've played slightly less than you have on my own, but I just, I think they've, they've made a well-crafted thing that is not exceptional in any way. And like the action, I think when it's at its hairiest is pretty solid. But I think, as I said at the top of the show before or before the show, when we were just talking amongst ourselves, if I were reviewing this game and things don't change dramatically from what I've played so far, it would be the most solid 7.5 I've ever given. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I think the shooting feels pretty good. Yeah, like, it's I think good. The, I, I think the best decision they made is that the fodder zombies, like no matter what you're shooting with, pretty much all go down in a shot or two. Mm. So like it just feels good to mow down <laughs> crowds of zombies. Like it's yes. just got good hit reactions and all that stuff. Um feels a little janky in spots like some of the movement and stuff like we that. we had a couple but. of crashes when we were streaming it last week where like person would get cut out and then they would have to find their way back into the game yeah that was kind of an early access window they've patched it a couple times it seems it seems better it was performing better for me last night um like that holdout we had at the end of that stream that last level that was just a 
you know, defend location mm-hmm. for five minutes thing. Like, you know, there was some strategy there. We were putting out traps and oh yeah, yeah. setting up a mini gun and worrying about angles and stuff. Like that was kind of cool. The waves were good. Yeah. It, but like but it, it does have that. I mean, th- since left for dead, there have been many, um, co- cooperative horde based, uh, yeah. PVE games. And this, this has that pacing where it is make your way up to the thing where you were then hold out, get swarmed, make mm-hmm. your way past the swarm pick your risk reward option for what you wanted to do and then get to your safe, safe house and then yeah. checkpoint rinse, repeat, make it to the end of the level. Hopefully you didn't burn too many of your continues or lives. If everybody makes it to the end, you get more reward. Yeah. That I seems was, to be the, that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I, I was reminded of that left for dead two level. I think it is. I, I want to say it's in a shopping mall where you have to, everybody has to go find cans of gas yeah. to, to gas up a car to get the is hell that out two, of there. Or is that why well, I completely Played that I with think, one. I, 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 they bleed together be, for me. Yeah, I don't remember. Yes, yes. I think didn't didn't a lot of the one content show up in two or maybe all of it eventually. That's possible. That's very much why maybe I am um, misremembering. But like that is about as elaborate as any of the objectives in Back for Blood have gotten from what I've seen so far. Like they're not really stretching too much in that respect, and I think that's what's going to hit the the longevity of it over time. But, I think I think you mentioning that you don't necessarily take really permanent gear outside yeah it also might hurt a little bit in terms yeah. of i've got this weapon i i worked really hard to get and now it's gone i have like all purple guns like a lot of good attachments all kinds of good stuff by the end of that act one run i was like yeah. all right let's see what act two is like i'm yeah. curious I'll, I'll play one more level of this before bed and then it dumped me back into the hub and i realized i was going to start from zero and i was like i'll just go to bed so that in the limited time i've played which is basically that's those two sessions we did together on the stream Maybe this gets different as you go forward or increase the difficulty level, but this store for buying weapons seemed um, not great. So like you buy a weapon, you can have the ability to buy a weapon or a random attachment, a random weapon, random attachment. And oftentimes, if I spent my money on that attachment or weapon, I found myself ditching it for a found thing pretty early on. I really wish you could take the attachments off. Yeah, yeah. Attachments are locked to the weapons that they are attached to. Yeah. So yes, that didn't feel great. That felt like a I just rough. spent like money on a thing that I just threw on the ground immediately if outside was, the door. If it was either you could take the attachments off or they just gave you a little bit more money throughout the levels, I feel like that might balance better. But as it is right now, you like I feel bad whenever I just toss one of those guns away. I, I will say I will say by the last three, four levels of that act one run, every gun that it was dropping was purple. Okay. So like they really ramp up the loot quality over the course of In the- in the world or in the store? Yeah, in the world. Okay. Like every yeah. crate every crate we opened had two purple weapons in it and stuff like that. Like you you, you, you kind of find enough stuff eventually that you stop caring. Well, about. so that's the thing. I'm like, I, I kind of wish the store in the safe house just had unique items or better uh, better attachments or, or items that you felt like, I'm going to spend this 700 gold or whatever it is on this thing that I know I'm going to keep with me. Because by about the third or fourth when we got to, I just stopped buying the attachments really, yeah. I think, because- there's uh, plenty of other stuff to buy in there. It uh, just seemed odd. Yeah. I think there's other permanent cosmetic upgrades, right? That's pretty much it outside yeah, of the maps. Besides cards that give you actual mechanical benefits. Yeah, it's a lot of skins and gun okay. skins and alternate costumes and stuff like that. Uh, eight, char- eight different characters with Sprays. unique abilities. Yeah, yeah, eight different characters. And they all have like a little perk or, or some kind of... More like back eight blood. <laughs> nice. Um, all. 
Yeah, every every character's got like a, a, a personal trait and a team trait, so okay. there's a little bit of flexibility there. But the, it's, then it's you will just, find no surprise in this. But I've uh, taken to the pistol characters. I I love my pistol. Yeah, I'm a gunslinger. Would, like good, just, good pistols in there. Halo best pistol. I mean, look, you know, Mass Effect. That's how I played. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing this. I like yeah, I the, like having a good handgun. The, the shooting feels good in this, and I think it's you know as a Game Pass game, it's worth maybe running through once or twice with friends. Totally. I don't, I don't. And the campaign seems reasonably long. Like it's not yeah. like you're not just done with it in a couple hours. Yeah, no, no. There's quite a few levels in there. I, I feel like it's the kind of thing I will finish out within the month of October. And then once mm. Halloween is over, it's like, okay, I had my time with zombies. Well-timed for release. Honestly. Yeah, yes. Yes. They picked a very good window to put this out in. Also seemed, um, seems like there's a challenge there. Like yeah. working together seems important. And yeah, uh, even, even recruit, even the easiest difficulty is not a cakewalk. Yes. Does make me curious how different something like Redfall is going to be because I feel like, you know, we're now in this wake of a bunch of games sort of trying this and you know, that one's vampires not zombies, but I wonder how much like actual flavoring and difference there's going to be between formulas here. Yeah, I think that one's a good ways off, isn't that it? That one's next year sometime, I think. Yeah. We'll probably yeah. even get another Vermintide before that uh, Yeah, that or comes maybe out. Oh, well, they're more. doing they've they've got an announced one. It's not Is it Vermintide? It's a 40k they're it is doing, a 40k, yeah. They're they're doing Vermintide, but for 40k. I can't remember what the actual name of it is. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can't pull the name Dark of Tide. it. Darktide. Darktide. War, Warhammer 40k Darktide is, is I think, quite literally Vermintide for 40k. So so that's on the way as well. Those games are fun. Uh, the, yeah. the Vermintide ones. I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing what it is in Sprache Marines. Yes. Um. Back for Blood. Yeah. P- PC, Xbox, Game Pass. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, you know if you want to play that or not. <laughs> yeah. And the barrier to, to doing so is quite low. I mean, if you have Game Pass, for sure. Yes. Uh, yes. Jet the Far Shore. Mm-hmm. Alex, you and I have played some more Jet the Far Shore. You got a little you- further than I did, but I've gotten deeper into it. Uh, any updated uh, impressions? <sighs> Similar to what I said uh, before, which is that I really like a lot of what that game is doing. I think a lot of the out of the ship stuff, just sort of like the character interactions and the kind of walking around, like I love that stuff. I wish I liked the ship stuff more. And I think that when the ship stuff is just you zipping around an environment and scanning and occasionally grabbing things, it's not Mm -hmm. a big deal. As soon as you introduce antagonists or like puzzle solving to that element, it kind of falls apart. And that's where I keep running into brick walls is every time they kind of give me an objective that's more than just grapple this thing or collect this dust, uh, I'm not having a great time. I'm kind of with you. I, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm one chapter or one, you know, whatever. You're like about a half chapter ahead of me, I think. Yeah. I I closed out the chapter you're on. Yeah. Uh, So I think I've got, I've only got, according to the thing, only a couple more hours left, but uh, yeah. I, my biggest complaint with Jet the Far Shore is really them putting the text on the screen while you're flying around. I, <laughs> yes. I, I cannot follow that story, and they are they are giving you guidance in that game while you are trying to navigate that ship. I have now started parking my ship. If I'm not being chased by something and there's dialogue coming around, I just straight up fucking land as soon as I can and just sit there until it's done so I can listen. It's I'm not sure what the solution is. Or if there's an option to just put that text right in the middle of the screen, but it is 
it is my biggest complaint about that game. Like the even universe, more so than the, the, the like puzzle solving or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. The, the universe as they continue to flesh that out is super fascinating. I like the characters. I like the dynamics between them. I love the conversations between them, especially in the, the chapter I'm in where, you know, people wake up from some stuff and some stuff is happening to mm-hmm. people like the way that they address that stuff, I think is really interesting. I just wish the mechanical part of it was just a little tighter around pretty much all of it. Like I just, I just wish that they had taken the jet part of jet, the far shore (laughs) and just rock tumbled it around a little longer until the, the edges came off. You wish they had given it three T's. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that it it almost has this feeling like somebody said, we need more game here. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, okay, let's put in this, um, this mechanic where you can grab a thing with a grappling hook or bring it over here or pop up these things. That ship feels great when you're cruising around. When you stop cruising around, it doesn't feel as great anymore. Or when you have to like spin around or or land a certain place, it doesn't feel that great. That thing is made for cruising. It's got this cool effect when you're just moving. You know what? You know what it is, and I, this is a, a weird comparison, but I'm just going to try it anyway. Um, it kind of feels like the John Boyce theory of baseball, which is that anyone, any professional baseball player is very good at baseball until a play or something that is happening goes on longer than is expected. <laughs> and then everything kind of starts falling apart. Everyone starts forgetting how to play baseball. Interesting. And okay. I think it's it, like, you know, like, for instance, like if there's an error or a ball gets thrown yeah, in a place yeah. where it's not supposed to, everyone's scrambling and no one knows what to do at a certain point. When you're just kind of in the rhythm of it and you're just kind yeah. of sailing along and you're just kind of drinking it all in, it's great. But as soon as they start throwing too many things at you, you start forgetting how to play the game because there's just a few too many things <laughs> to keep track of and a few too many ship quirks to sort of yeah. like manage where it start, you start feeling like you've forgotten how to play a video game. Also, that game's universe is weird enough where you kind of have to be following their worlds. Yes. Like they, they use replacement words for enough stuff in that game where you're like, you know, where a mission becomes a, um, uh, a scheme or, you know, they, yeah. they're like using these, they're just subbing in other words sometimes where you're like, okay, I'm following along, but I missed what the heck you said. Um, what what do you what do you mean by when you say we need a respite or, or like a respite? Like what are mm-hmm. we doing? Like does that mean go to this place or stay? I don't really know. So things are weird enough where you want to be paying attention, uh, and you know hops and uh, activations and uh, bloom effects and all these things that you kind of have to remember what you're doing. Yes, when you're like, wait, what am I supposed to do with this plant to uh, to make it do its thing? But that being said, you're I'm with you, Alex. When you park that ship. And you go talk to somebody, and they're like, "Let me get into my weird science religion thing for a bit." Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, cool, I'm in. Like, I'm I in all the way. And yeah. like the dreamy parts of it, like the kind of dream sequence stuff they've done, is all really well handled and like not too overbearing. Like, I think that they have a really firm grasp of what they want this this world and this universe to be. And I I think that so far, yeah, yeah. And I, I the thing is, like, again. Whatever brick wall I run into, I want to push past because I do genuinely want to see how this thing wraps up. It's just yes. I, I feel like I'm hitting them every hour and a half or so. And I'm just like, I, I have to put it down because I'm beating my head against the thing. Like right now, I'm just trying to figure out this thing where you have to use these what are essentially chemtrails 
to, to, to get pests away from this other creature so you can go in and you can grappling hook a thing off this creature and getting those car- those those pests to follow you and then hit the bloom without running out of dust and not doing it quite the right way is just flustering. So let me um, let me help you here and anybody else who is up to that part because I did this as well. I did not do it with the chemtrails. There are just little plants near that what do they call the monster? Col- Colo? The Colos. Colos. There are just little plants you pop near there that attract the the pests. Is it the ones with the resin? The uh, yellow resin? Yeah, and they're just they're just in that same little valley with that thing. And there's I like tried three that, of them. and they weren't going for it. I did that. I pop because I did the same thing. I'm like, follow me, and it's like, oh, I guess we have to come back when he's not agitated. And I just pop those like three plants that were near him, and then I grappled the thing and, and did it. And I'll, I'll try yeah. that again. I really want to finish this game. <laughs> I'm I'm anxious to finish it and see where yeah. it's going because I think they the the world and and the story they have laid out is really fascinating. I am, and I still I, would recommend this game to a lot of people. Not everyone, but a lot of people. It's weird because I am like all in on total failure for that team or all in on total success. <laughs> yeah. Like, And I feel like I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Team wipe or like we did it and we're uh, we're good. So it's interesting. Jet, the far shore, $30, yeah. um, PlayStation PC. And then finally here, I went, um, it was uh, Echoes of the Eye, the Outer Wilds DLC. I was talking with, uh, um, I think I mentioned it last time on the podcast and somebody had messaged me on the discord was like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder if your opinion will change when you get up to this part. And, uh, I was like, Oh, I wonder, I, I, I must not be up to that part because I, it sounds like I would know. And they're like, Oh yeah, you'd know. And so I got up to that part. Mm-hmm. I don't like that part. Oh, I don't like it. That's I, no, I, I think I still like the DLC so far, mm-hmm. but I'm fine. I'm finding, and anybody who's played it must know what I'm talking about. I'm finding it very frustrating to execute mm. on the thing I, I know how to do in a way that I'm pretty close to looking up just, am I doing this wrong? Which is not the way I want to play Outer Wilds. You know, like I want to discover and, and figure it out on my own. But it's getting frustrating enough now where it's like, what am I doing wrong here? Like, what am, what am I, am I missing some kind of technique for this? Um, I feel like the, the original game had a couple of spots kind of like that. Oh, definitely. As, as much as as much as we venerate that game around here, like it's you know it's yeah, easy it for me to forget sometimes that there are like you know the the fish sequence and a couple of spots like that. There are some fiddly, pretty yeah. annoying parts of that game. This this is this this feels this feels different than that, and also in a way that this is the totally this game is. Very different than Outer Wilds. If if you have not played it, it's got a different vibe to it. It's it's definitely creepier. It's it, mm. it's it goes in that direction a lot more. Uh, to the point, and this kind of bummed me out a little bit because Outer Wilds is is one of my favorite games. My kids were watching it and they're like, "This seems like a scary game. I don't want to see this anymore." Mm. And I was like, "Man, wow. I want you guys to play Outer Wilds." Like, and and then I was like, "Hey, do you want to come and check out Outer Wilds some more?" And they're like, oh, you mean the scary game? No. And I'm like, Aww. no, Outer Wilds isn't the scary game. It's really Outer not Wilds. that scary. It has a couple um, of terrifying parts, but. So this one, I mean, there's an option in this to de-scarify this DLC. Huh. If you've been in the options for it, but it's like, hey, make some of this less scary. Uh, but there, I, I hit a frustrating wall and it, and it is, it, it feels like it's an execution thing and it feels like it's got enough randomization and, um, uh, um, 
like you can't re- I can't repeat the same thing twice to get the same results and and that's frustrating in a timed loop game you know like where you want to execute on your your thing to do the thing and uh I feel like I can't do that in this mm. timed loop that is starting to frustrate me with some of this DLC so we'll see I'll push past it because I really I still like the DLC and I think there's really interesting stuff going on just this part well it's, there's like three of them but they they are they are similar in things of like i know where i want to go i know what i want to do just this part so i know brad if you get there i'm torn i don't know i think it's a good piece of content for for it's just this part is is frustrating me i've seen this similar sentiments to this quite a bit to the oh yeah okay I don't know, man. I love that game so much. You don't want anything that might sully your your opinion That's of it. Kind of where I'm at. I don't know. I like I like the tale they're telling in there, um, and I I like what's going on. And I want to see more of it. Um, but yeah, this this little bet here. Um, I'll push. I'll just push past it. If a worst case scenario, I, mean, I am probably just gonna look up a video and just be like, "What? There's got to be a thing that I'm just messing up here that is." <laughs> you know ash twin project <laughs> here we go yep um i so yeah with the so uh, i forget the name of the person that messaged me on the discord but yeah i hit that part <laughs> and uh you called it yeah you called it so uh outer wilds echoes of the eye uh 15 bucks for the dlc i think again 40 bucks if you want to go all in still outer wilds hell of a game and i think mm-hmm. this is i think this does really interesting things but so far maybe not i think outer wilds the whole the whole game is a masterpiece really it's it's really up there this is i'm hitting more of a, a stopping point in this it's different that's not not what i expected to hear about this before it came out but yeah uh yeah not gonna make me love outer wilds any less though like, yeah. uh, no different sense of exploration in this as well sure. uh so that are the, that is that are the games those Them's are, are them <laughs> games metroid dread sable back for blood jet the far shore outer wilds echoes of the eye the games we covered here let's get into the news let's the news the news this week uh different kinds of news this week it is not no. the plug and play we don't have the mad libs of news this week no no there's some, some interesting stuff going on yeah. Um, when, I, when I when I made this list, I did not expect to put this story at the top, but then I did. Which story would that and, be? And I said, you know what? Let's just talk about it. Hit me. Because I, I think it's pretty rad. Uh, two of IDOS's studios in Quebec, the Montreal studio and the Sherbrooke studio, okay. uh, have announced that they are going to a four-day work week. Yes. Which, like, I, I was frankly kind of flabbergasted when I saw this headline come out yeah. last week. Uh, you've seen, you know, there's a lot of discussion around this. Like you see it in some countries have done studies with it. Um, a handful of indie game studios I've seen, like like Young Horses, the makers of Bug Snacks and Octodad. Like friend friend of the show, Phil Tibetoski, he mm-hmm. he tweeted he's tweeted about this quite a bit. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you can kind of search his Twitter history. They've I think they're like an eight person team, and they did this a few months ago. Uh, and he's talked quite a bit about, you know, what it's been like, how, how it was to make that transition. But he also has acknowledged that as a small team with a pretty flat structure, it's and a team that is like self-funded and sets its own deadlines and all that stuff, like 
obviously it's way easier for them to institute something like this than larger triple A developers. But, but yeah, but yet, but yet here, yeah, totally here we are with a very old established corporate publisher uh, with two of their major studios doing this exact thing. So I'm interested in a couple aspects of this. One, I wonder how much of this has to do with them being Montreal based as opposed to other studios. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know exactly what employment law, like work laws yeah. are in Canada, but my, my understanding was that like, maybe there's a little more room to maneuver with some of that yeah, stuff. There. Like, uh, I am in no way qualified to talk about labor issues around this stuff, but I did see there, there was some amount of eye rolling about like tax incentives that are offered by this particular locality and how that might help this process along. Well, that's also a, a big way, part of it in a, in, a, in a way where it's maybe not as feasible other places. Well, that's, and that's interesting because there have been a lot of openings of studios in Quebec in the last, I'm going to say decade, but maybe in a little less than that. And I'm wondering if this is also a thing they are going to try and use to recruit with that because yeah, or, or retain like yeah. this, this could absolutely also be a talent retention thing of like, Hey, don't go to one of these other hot new studios in across town. We're going to let you be off Fridays. Cause that's the whole thing over the last year and a half is that like lots of people have been leaving studios sometimes to go to other big studios, but a lot of times to just start new things or launch, you know, uh, uh, startups. And yeah, I mean, this could very easily be a factor in that kind of thing, but also, they don't have a game that is announced that is in the hopper yet, right? I well, do not know. Who's doing Guardians? Is this, uh, that might is be. that Montreal? I, I don't what? know if I don't know if it's one of one of these, but Montreal gets some big stuff, right? Let me see here. Yes, that is that is Montreal. Well, so fact. if it's Guardians and that game is by all accounts done, then you can announce something like this in, in like a going forward kind of structure. Because mm. as far as I know, I, I haven't heard any plans about them trying to do like Avenger style DLC for this thing or anything. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I, I imagine if they, if you were in a position where you were gearing up for future projects, it is a lot easier to mm. make this kind of pivot and change and scale for that. Than, than a studio that is neck deep in, like, say, yearly franchise hell or something like that. Sure, like you, you, sure. Get, you get a little bit of a reset button. Yeah, and uh, in fact, like the, the statement that, that the studio management put out explicitly acknowledges like, hey, this is going to take a lot of work on the project management and expectation and deadline setting side mm -hmm. of things. Like we can't just lop a day off. We have right. to also be very mindful of what the expectations and the milestones are and set all of those things accordingly. And I feel and like in a world where we have not already had the extensive conversations we've had about crunch and sort of, you know, the what the, the deleterious effect that has on people and and people's workloads i i feel like if they had announced that without that stuff it would have been really fucking easy for them to slide back into a okay we're a 32 hour work week but also you were working another 16 hours of unpaid overtime or whatever to do you know to crunch on this shit whereas yeah. now i don't think you can get away with that no I, you can't i don't think you can you can't make a move like this and mishandle it without really yeah getting put through the ringer over it they, they, um, two things there. I think, I think it's interesting. Kind of some of the stuff you brought up, Alex. Their public-facing statement here kind of ends with like, "What would a new employee see with this structure?" Right. Mm -hmm. So they are they are clearly trying to say, "Hey, we are a fun. We are, we are, uh, interested in your health. If you want to join this, right? That's kind of what that last statement goes. We're not into. here to grind you to dust. Right. So they are clearly trying to recruit. Uh, and I think what you guys were saying about 
not messing this up. I really expected this to be a 440 week. Like, hey, we were going to four days a week. And if you can get your 10 hour day in, mm-hmm. you know, you can get your Friday off. But uh, um, anecdotally, you know, it's interesting having, you know, work for, for companies on a five day a week schedule or, you know, five plus sometimes. As as you get, people need to do stuff that is in the real world. It is unavoidable. People mm-hmm. need to go to banks. People need to go to places that are open from nine to five during a weekday. And they will just take off. You have to take off of work to do it. And if you give people the option to have a day during the week to handle that stuff. And then let I them do, have real weekends. And let them also have a real weekend. I, I see the value in being like, Hey, can you try and schedule that thing you need to do on that? You know, on the day that you, if it's a swing day or, you know, if it's a set day, can you try and schedule your doctor's appointments? You know, can you try and schedule these things on this day so that you can focus on the, instead of it being a random day where you might have something. Cause scheduling can be very hard. We ran yeah. into this a lot. People have real life commitments that are like, Hey, I have to go see a doctor. And if you can give someone a day to do, try and do that stuff because, you know, real life also gets in the way. You can't just schedule everything on a Tuesday or a Friday, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, you can try and do that stuff. I think it, I see the value in trying to make that work in a more focused environment. It, I could see the value in trying to say, Hey, we're going to be a part of your life and you're going to be able to get some of your life done throughout the week too because otherwise it gets on top of you and, and i'm not trying to say this in a five day a week can't work but trying to squeeze in life on the margins can really be a grind well and i think the thing that sometimes people don't remember is that the five day work week is also a very recent invention and also a very old invention at the same time like it's it's you know recent in the sense that like it's only been like what the last hundred years that that came to fruition so roughly uh, I think so. yeah And also, no one has really tried to readdress that since then, you know, much the way that like the minimum wage in this country never seems to move. We just sort of treated that as kind of this immobile, sacrosanct thing. But, you know, as as Brad said, like there are other countries that have experimented with this kind of thing. And I think in general, they have found that it is like actually productivity tends to go up in these kinds of environments. Yeah, there's a ton of research around like, you know high productivity falls off after X number of hours a day, after X number of hours a week. Like that, that stuff is relatively clear. Like I think, you know, the skepticism around trying something like this is that this is a qualitative argument rather than a quantitative one, Mm -hmm. because it's easy for somebody to say, okay, 40 hours a week, that's what you're going to work. Do it because that's a number. It's a lot harder to convince those same people to say like, okay, it's gonna be few hours, but they're going to be better hours. Like that's the, that's where the skepticism comes in. That's the, that's the, argument the you know the public relations campaign that you have to win to bring people around to this is to say like hey like people are more rested and happier to be at work they're going to do better work you just have to you have to buy into that idea you can't we you know that's always harder to sell to people unfortunately and a lot of the people who are making those decisions are people who work in offices where the most wasted hours of work tend to happen whereas people who are on the ground doing much more you know like public facing and much more laborious jobs are the ones that will probably benefit the most from something like this. I mean, we ran into this often. Like there are, there are, there are situations where a company will not feel like they are getting their money, their money's worth. If you deliver the same product and it took you six hours 
or if you pretend that it took you eight hours, right? And you like if you if you did the job in five hours, like I, they will want to pay you for five hours, not that eight. Hours. Like it is by the it, it is a value proposition, right? Where of just like, hey, I'm not paying you for the thing. I'm paying you per the hour. And I think some of that works. I, again, some of it industries it probably makes a lot of sense. Some industries it does not. Like you right. want you want the end result. It shouldn't matter sometimes what the um hourly cost was, right? Like as long as the thing you delivered was the thing. I ran into that a, a bunch of times. Like we ran into problems where we had to backfill hours for contract work. It's like, well, this is a deliverable. Somebody's delivering a video. Well, how many hours does it take? I don't care how many hours it takes. I'm paying for the video. Like this is well, well, the way our spreadsheet works is you have to put it in for an hourly rate and like being like, okay, you know, and then they're like, what? They're making $80 an hour. Be like, well, you, it only takes them two hours to do. And I, I want to pay this person $200 for the thing. Like whatever it is, it just was, it was maddening to the point where like, just let me do this thing. I want the product. This person's good at it. Let me just pay them the, the right thing. It's just. It was maddening, like uh, just kind of, again, anecdotally talking about this stuff. I want to see more things happen like this to have more data sets to see how these things work Um, because not every situation is going to work on a four four day a week thing. Not every situation works on a five day a week thing, but we have been running with that here in the United States for a very long time. Your four, your five days, 40 hours a week. Let's get some data on some of these other things. And again, this is not necessarily here in the States, but you know what I mean? Let's just say in the West here, that has been a a thing. I would like to see more data. I would like, as we kind of are, we're forced into more people working from home, right? And Mm -hmm. people finding something's better, something's worse, something's work, something's don't. But now we have more data to support decisions based on more than just a gut feeling of like, Hey, if everybody works from home, it's nobody's going to do everything. They're just going to be watching Netflix all day. Now, at least we have more data to say like, you know, maybe that worked. Maybe that does happen in some places, but in some places it doesn't. So, yes. Yeah. That, that is absolutely why this story ended up at the top of this list is that like, I think most people can agree that it, and especially in the United States, that work culture can be pretty toxic and like, it was a big enough deal when Young Horses did it. When I saw Phil out there being a co-founder of the studio talking about their experience, like even that, I was like, hell yeah, like make this conversation happen. Like try some stuff and get people talking and let's see what comes out of it. But like for these AAA studios to do, to be doing it is like that much bigger of a story, right? Is that definitely on a, on a scale like this in an institutional culture like this to be trying something this, you know, maybe it shouldn't be considered radical, but it absolutely is in the current you know, state of things like I, it's, it's awesome to see some, and you know, like every time somebody does this and especially the bigger ones try stuff like this, you know, it makes more conversation happen. It makes it, it creates more of a feeling that change is possible that other modes of working and existing are possible. Yeah. And, and like, you know, you know, this isn't about hours necessarily. And I'm, it's, it's, I'm mentioning this because, you know, it was just announced today, but like Austin is now going to work for that new studio, a uh, possibility space. Uh, which, which Jeff Strain founded, and I guess it, Austin you know, Walker. Austin Walker, say, yes, friend friend of the show. And like their whole thing is that we are a decentralized organization. Like it's not just that people are working remote. It's that like yes, we have an office in New Orleans, but we are designed very much mm. for people to not have to be 
in the same place. You know, it is not just about like having a bunch of remote employees. It is about decentralizing the entire thing. And that like that, it seems like there are people out there willing to think beyond the the boundaries of what we are used to when it comes to work in this industry and in general. And yeah, I want to see more of that. Strain, if you remember, was the one who wrote that letter uh, yeah. in the middle of the middle of all the Blizzard. You know, he's a former Blizzard guy. Ex Undead um, Labs as well. He co-founded he, that studio yeah, and ArenaNet before that. But he was the one who wrote that letter about unionization in the middle of all the Blizzard labor stuff, saying like, "Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I have founded multiple studios. I do not feel threatened by my employees unionizing." Yeah, it's so. um, yeah, more different. You know, the I oh boy, we could probably spend five shows talking about this, but um, so much has changed in a workplace. And the flexibility hasn't come with that. I mean, we're probably old enough and a lot of people listening to this are probably old enough to remember workplaces without the internet or a lot of computer stuff in it. And the computer was supposed to free up all the time and to make everybody's life easier. Paperless office. And back when those terms were real terms people used and like, imagine all the free time you're going to have. And like, that never happened that the computer did not make suddenly the, the four day work week was not uh, a byproduct of the computer coming in. If anything, it just strapped you in when you got home into working, uh, uh, never, never checking out. So, uh, I think flexibility in a workplace, some places I think it's going to work for some places are not. I think tailor your workplace environment to the people you want to attract mm -hmm. and then to the product you're making. And not every place is going to have the same thing. I think we need to see more of that. So hopefully this works out for them. And, um, you know, also makes it competitive in other workplaces too. If, if other studios are competing for very talented people and IDAS Montreal is able to say, this is what we offer. Maybe other studios will have to say, okay, we can't do that, but this is what we'll offer instead. Right. Uh, so let's, let's compare more power to him. I was really I would like to hear from the employees, obviously. That get yeah, I want to see how this. they feel about this, like, six months in. Yeah, like, uh, there's a cynical, very dark part of me that doesn't trust this at all. <laughs> you know, like, maybe founded or not founded. That is like, hey, are you trying to get around full-time laws? Are you trying mm -hmm. to, you know, not have to pay benefits? You know, you know, in two years from now, when you say, well, we have a 32-hour work week, we really don't hire full-time. Like, that's... Uh, I want to believe so, it's not that, but I totally understand your your trepidation around yeah, it. So, for, for actual employees, I believe it is on the up-and-up, but I did see some follow-up reporting that QA at the studio is technically employed by a contract company. Mm. A and, lot of QA this, in this industry tends yeah, to be yeah, that that's, way. That is very common, but this this change in policy will not apply to the QA contractors. Mm. Okay, yeah. So the, you know, there's the, there's a cynical part of me that obviously uh, is taking this with a grain of salt until employees come out and say, you know what, this actually worked out, and productivity is up, morale is up in the studio, and you know, this is a healthy place to work. So yeah, good good like, luck to them. I mean, the the effect of good morale on the workplace just cannot be overstated. No, on the quality of the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. And retention, right? Because yeah. you, you don't want to lose your talented people. Uh, you know, that's not saying anything new there, but it's, it's, it's a tough one to, <laughs> in practice, a tough one yeah. to do. Uh, so, yeah, best of luck to them. And, and I'd like to know how the employees yes, wind up receiving it, is, it. It is fascinating to see see this stuff actually taking place. Uh, what else, Brad? Uh, I'm going to have to go to Alex for thoughts on this one. Okay. Uh, the, the, the big leadership, I think this has been alluded to at least in the past, but the big, uh, the big leadership transition at Ryuga Gotoku Studio, the makers of Yakuza and yes. Judgments. 
is now officially taking place with possibly the most amazing photograph of new studio leadership I have ever seen. Y'all like some suits? These are some suits. Dude, they did a fucking photo shoot for that. That looks like a Yakuza family. Like, it, it's pretty amazing. It is, um, it is, uh, like, the old, either, like, the oldest ensemble group getting back to get, like, reunion tour mm-hmm. uh, yeah. photo. Sure. Uh, they are all, for those who have not looked up the photo, it is the, let's see, seven. Seven. Uh, seven people all standing uh, seven very patriarchs. seriously. Some with hands in pockets, some with hands at sides. All some have polka dots. Some pretty don't. much black suits. Yeah, I don't know if they, yeah. they are every pattern dark, you can do on a black it, suit. That, they yeah, do. that's that Starfield suit is really something with uh, with very severe lighting on the background and like a like a black to gray gradient mm-hmm. uh, and like a, a, a obviously somebody put a mat down like a drop cloth down. Yeah, and it, like, it it very much feels like it is playing up the tone of their Yakuza games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway. very stern faces. But so the actual yeah. story here is that the the director, the person who had been there for a very, very long time as sort of the head of the studio, which I guess the actual studio has only existed for a little over 10 years now. Yeah, um, I was like shocked to read that because like Yakuza games have been in, coming out for a very long time. But They I guess have, but they, I think they just didn't have like a special designation within Sega until the last decade. But so yeah. anyway, he took off. He's at NetEase now. And so the people that are in this photo are all people that have been on the franchise for at least a little while. Uh, some of them have been directed games, some have been lead producers, creative directors, various various disciplines. And the thing is that, like, those people have been leading these projects for a while. Like, he was, the originator was sort of like the the all-seeing creative sort of guiding person for this, this these, like, Yakuza and Judgment. Yeah, but, Nagoshi. Toshihiro Negoshi, yeah. but like so they like the director role lead producer roles have been in other people's hands for a while now so this is this is a notable change and obviously like they're making a big deal out of it because you know Negoshi was there for a really long time at Sega but these are not strangers to this franchise and these are people who sort of know what I'm pretty sure know what they're doing when it comes to these characters in these games yeah, like there was a bunch of hand wringing on Twitter in the replies to this statement going out from people just going like, "Uh, oh, you are Yakuza. What are we going to do? What's what's going to become of the series?" But yeah, like reading this stuff, it's like it's clear that a lot of these people in the new leadership have been there since the beginning. Yeah. And I so, think, you know, they they very specifically say, "Hey, you know, we're continuing the story of uh, you know, of of uh Kasuga. You know, we're we're going to keep doing yeah. Like Yakuza. was that known? They, I think they had said that lightly okay. before, like that, you know, he was, he was supposed to be the new main character. So it, it was, it was kind of inferred that like, yes, obviously the next Yakuza char- game will follow these characters again, okay. but yeah, they but just they, said they it do. out right here. And I think yeah, that's, they, that's just a confirmation. Yeah. Whether they'll do I'd more also, judgment or not, I don't know, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of separate issues tied yeah. up there. Also, I have to, <laughs> I have to read this line uh, from the new studio heads. Kind of a little message here. Now that you see me acting all cool in this photo, it's going to be extra uncool if the games don't live up to our standards. So I'm going to give it my all and stay true to my words. That's a lot of good <laughs> self-awareness. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, anyway, yeah. Changing of the guard, but yeah, like, you know, it's not like it's not like some complete complete overhaul of the studio, right? Well, and it might be it might be needed, you know. Like I, I, as much as I like Lost Judgment, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm I've played 
probably about 15 hours of it at this point. It's, you know, there's some things that I, I wouldn't mind seeing them kind of reboot and sort of tweak. Cause I feel like that some of these stories and some of these, these tropes that they have kind of have been part and parcel with the franchises for a long time. I feel like I'd, I'd like to see if they have some new ideas and some new directions. I, I think it's time. We, and you know, following up on what you said earlier, we don't know what was going on behind those doors and who was, you know, it takes more than one person to make a franchise. Oh yeah. Yes. A, you know, it is uh, sometimes it seems like there is one person who is like, you know, shepherding a, a game through, but we don't know what was happening. In, yeah. In I mean, Nagoshi's name was on everything, but he wasn't always the lead or the director, or the right, yeah. you know, the main writer, you know? So yeah. like there's, there's been a lot of people working on these, these games for a long time. Um, so yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how cool it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hope it's cool. I better be cool. I'll take cool over uncool. <laughs> yes, any day of the week. Um, what is next? We get into this one that I really like here. What is it? Right to repair. Yes, yeah, any story. I had, a, I had a feeling you would be pretty into this one. What a wild one this one yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, when I it's saw pretty, this, you pulled this one and then I was going through it. It, it kind of took a, this one has a twist in it, a weird twist that I did not expect. This is the thing at the very end. No, it was the, it was, what is the anchor of this, uh, th- this oh, right to repair, sure. uh, yes. mo- internally. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Let's get into it. So yeah. Microsoft is going to commission a third party report on the feasibility. You may, you may be aware of the right to repair movement. Like people, a large a large contingent of consumers and consumer advocates have gotten really sick of electronics products shipping in a way where you can't open them, you can't do anything to them to fix them. You either have to pay the company to fix them or just throw them in the trash. Yeah, you'll if, void your warranty. When they you, break, you, you, yes. Yeah, there are a lot of everybody knows where the screw is hidden underneath that little yes. seal that you have to puncture to get yes. the screw and there are, tamper there proof are stuff. Physical and or legal barriers to servicing your own stuff in yeah and if you break most that, cases yeah you yeah. you you lose any warranty yes uh so they're like there's been you know there's been straight up like like lobbying and advocacy around legislating the stuff and i think that stuff is maybe making some progress but there there's a lot of pro like i'm uh, even beyond losing your warranty the parts are become unavailable they they yeah, there's uh, all, uh, yes, official yes. parts are unavailable you can source them through third parties but people will lose if a, if a shop sells them they lose their right to get them they get to it's very hard to get these parts. They make it extremely difficult to repair these things on your own. I've like, I long story short, I had to buy a new faceplate for my receiver. Like mm. the, the, some buttons broke on the front plate of my receiver. And like, I straight up went to, it's a Sony and I went to like Sony's authorized parts resellers website, bought a new faceplate and ordered it and <laughs> installed it myself. Yeah. Like two, three years ago because those parts are out there, but yep. like, you can't, you can't go buy parts like that for game consoles by and large. Like sometimes Nintendo weirdly has offered some of that stuff over time. Hmm. Like I have bought some really minor repair stuff from Nintendo. Like cosmetic like, stuff or internals? Um, like they would sell like replacement Game Boy Advance screen covers and stuff like that. Okay. Just some real basic stuff. But uh, anyway. Not, like, like, you know, hey, if I want to replace, if my analog stick is getting drift and I want an official replacement on my analog stick for my 360 controller or something, I would like to buy the one that is in from Microsoft, the one that is in my analog, that is my analog controller and not a, a, a knockoff one or, or a aftermarket one. Sorry, you are going to end up on Amazon patronizing Starco Industries if you want, if you want a new analog stick. I want it. I want the official one. 
Take it from uh, me. Anyway, okay, yeah. the gist of this is uh, like they're not committing to this yet, but they are going to commission a third-party report on the feasibility of offering more right-to-repair access to Xbox products. Uh, they say they, they say they will not make the actual report public because it may contain trade secrets, but that they will at least summarize the findings by May of next year. And, and they're doing this, uh, obviously, because they think people uh, should have a, the right to repair their own things that they paid for, right? Definitely. Mm. No, actually, it's like the context around this is all in uh, is, is all around trying to reduce CO2 emissions and, and create a more positive environmental impact. Like That was the part that was really interesting. Like that's in the argument is like, oh, this will stop people from throwing away their broken electronics as much if they can just fix them themselves. Which, not, hey, whatever not just gets because, you Not just because it's the right thing to do for a product you sold somebody. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like they, you know, they say the upshot of this, if, if, if this reaches a positive outcome, they would start providing more documentation and more spare, spare parts directly to the end user. Yeah. And let uh, you, kind of awesome. Let, let you, I mean, listen, I don't know how many repair shops, maybe this, maybe repair shops would become a thing again, but, right? You know, having to bring it to a quote unquote <laughs> authorized repair shop, you know, <laughs> I got to take, got to take down my, take my Xbox down to the shop again. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I don't know. You guys probably grew up at a time where there was like a VCR repair place, probably not yeah. too far oh, yeah. from you growing up. Right. Totally, and like totally. those probably, places are probably all gone now, but well, there's places like that are still around, but they're exclusively for like TVs and receivers mm-hmm. and speakers and stuff like that. Yeah. So like things but a game console, like forget it. Yeah. Like, well, nobody would dig into it unless you're, unless you're doing it under the table or something. Cause they're not allowed to, and you can get in trouble for doing it. And it's hard to get the parts. Apple is pretty notorious for this as yeah, well. Apple's just, the worst for sure. Uh, it's just one of those things. And so reading this and being like, well, Microsoft is doing it to see the environmental impact, to, to commission a study to see what the environmental impact is. So we should mention, uh, the ESA, has their stance on this of which Microsoft is, is a part of, uh, and their stance is definitely not supportive of right to repair. They of have, course, the least surprising part of the story was getting to the bottom and seeing that, of course the ESA opposes right to repair. You should right, just the, stop asking the ESA stuff because every time you do, it's the exact answer you think you're going to get out of them. Um, and then you can go, you can, they have a document that it goes over their position on right to b- repair, which you can look over and it's exactly what you think of, you know, it sounds like it's coming out of just politics playbook 101, um, where at the bottom, I'll just read it verbatim here. Um, some right to repair supporters have argued that proposed legislation would have a positive environmental impact because more consumers would be inclined to fix their own devices rather than dispose of them, which is, again, the argument that's being made in this story we just had. Unlike other devices that may have short life cycles, video game consoles are played for years and often uh, held on to for generations. This long life cycle is likelier to continue if repairs are performed by the manufacturer. What? Older model consoles are still highly popular and available on online marketplaces. Moreover, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, and the video game retailer GameStop have robust recycling programs for consumers who want to dispose of used consoles. None of that is actually an argument not to offer this to people. I don't agree. That's the thing. There is no actual argument for this. I mean, also, the, only, the only actual argument which they can't come out and say is that it just decreases corporate control over stuff like this. Yeah, I, I mean, the one argument that I, I I can see I can see being held up as an actual argument is 
allowing or encouraging or or making it easier for people to go open their console without voiding warranties or without any risk does lead to a situation where you might encourage people to bypass security measures for for copyright stuff or for or like um you know in the case of region locking something or in the case of going after market and putting something in that might get around some kind of uh um uh limitation on the console right? barriers yes so i could see that argument of wanting to protect that and say hey if you allow people to go in there somebody's going to go in and we're going to have a playstation thing all over again where people are putting a mod chip in there and then you know they're playing uh bootleg games and all that we're going back to the kind of piracy stuff again I think bullshit on that. Like, oh, yeah. people, I mean, people are going to, if they're going to do that, they're already doing that. They're yeah, already like, swap like, putting they, the hard drives people, in your Xbox. Also, anyway. region locking is becoming less of a thing. Yeah, like, region yeah. locking doesn't exist as much anymore, but. Yeah, so like, I like think that, that's, yeah. that's their argument in this document. Also, I have a knee-jerk reaction whenever I see a, a corporation or an, a body say the DMCA is on their side. <laughs> <laughs> like Not okay you've kind of, you've selling kind of me that. on your argument there <laughs> i'm like, sorry well, you know in passing the dmca congress are, and it's like well you know you kind of lost me there. this so rabid this is- wolf that ate <laughs> half the the village they're on my side they're helping me out here like you know i don't think you can really blame them uh so yeah i think um i think that if you buy a thing you should have the right to repair it without voiding a warranty I think repair shops should be able to have access to better materials to repair these things. That's my feeling on it. Will people, would people be repairing this stuff on their own if they could? I don't even know. And like mass, I, no, but like, I think I, there are people who will. Absolutely. I absolutely would. If like a disk drive died in my thing and I could just buy the official disk drive from the company and put it in myself, like I had a thousand percent would do like, that. That's where the argument falls apart. I'll, I don't want to mod my consoles. I want, but I do want to have a factory or as close to an original working console as I can. Yeah. So when, when things break in my Xbox or, you know, entropy runs its course on these components, I, I would like to re- bring these, be- restore them. Like, like I want out, to restore it, put out a, put out a bill of materials or whatever it is on, on this console. And like, tell me what all the capacitors are I need and all that stuff. Cause totally like, the stuff's going to break eventually. And as some, like there are older electronics that have schematics like that, where they, uh, they you can just go and get those parts. And, and like you kind of said, Brad, there are companies that allow for you to get parts that you'd be like, wow, I could just get this. It's awesome. It's awesome to replace the thing with the thing and not be like, well, somebody 3D printed a similar thing and I could put it in there or, you know, these capacitors are close enough or, um, you know, whatever it is. Or somebody went in with a microscope and found the exact, you know, uh, I mean, they do things where they go in there and they scrape off the numbers on chips or they, you know, they they black them out so you can't see what chips are in the, the thing. And it sucks. Yeah. Um, it really is a, is a pain in the butt. So. Anyway, Microsoft clearly is going to find that this is not an environmental impact. They're not going to do this. But um, no, come on, man. They put together a blue ribbon commission. They're definitely going to. It's I mean, definitely going to happen. I, I will give Microsoft some credit. You know, they, they have done right by people in various ways over the last few years. Like the, the Phil Spencer era has been about as consumer friendly as you expect from a major platform holder, you know, with the adaptive controller and we are yeah. grading on a scale here, but yes, absolutely. And, you know, they've, they've been doing pretty well. You're not wrong. I just, 
I don't know. My dark heart doesn't want to believe Microsoft that. will never shake the reputation of being the most consumer-unfriendly corporation in the world, no matter how many changes they actually make. I mean, they're getting to the point where they're telling people to open up their consoles to put hard drives in them, so maybe we are getting closer. No, that was Sony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so maybe we are getting closer to being like, hey, you're going to have to pop this thing open to do some work in there anyway, so <laughs> maybe blow the dust out. And Really, though, my PS5 controller has drift. I need the... Fi- what about what am I gonna am I gonna throw it in the trash? Oh, man. Or, like Dude, what am I doing? Take it from me, you do not want to try to <laughs> try to replace the sticks in a dual sense. Well, that's the other it's thing. Like, like half of these things are not user serviceable anyway it's, at this it's point. Like, so it's like fourteen different solder points, I think. <laughs> I'm up like for that. it. Listen, I got oh, Vinny will solder thing. anything you put in front of him. Just, even if it shouldn't be soldered. I think soldering. it's the desoldering is the scary part. Mm. I love it. I'll put it in my toaster oven, it'll be fine. Anyway, right to repair. There you go. Let's repair repair the world. Do you actually own your Xbox? Oh boy, um, Brad. What else is news? Uh, do you still want to talk about this FIFA thing, Alex? Yeah, briefly. I, there's not a lot to say here, but it is interesting. So, EA Sports, biggest sports game thing in the world. 2K just has basketball. They do basketball well, but they don't have as many different licenses. FIFA is obviously one of their biggest, uh, especially in Europe. It is a billion dollar fucking franchise and they may lose the fifa license at some point um there's a new york times report out where they are basically like no one is officially saying anything but sources are saying that negotiations between them and fifa which are i believe the terms of their current deal are set to expire at the end of this year uh fifa basically wants double the more than double the money they are currently making which is around 150 million dollars a year for the license and 300 something million a year is definitely a lot wouldn't necessarily kill ea's profit margins on that thing but it would it's definitely a lot and i can understand why they would sort of balk at that and the other side of this is that apparently if they were to lose the fifa license they have enough other supplemental licenses around football to where this would not really change anything except for Mm. the title of the game you mean when you say football, like soccer football slash football? Yes, I'm. I'm okay. speaking of yes. of the the uh, the royal European football. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting because I think inevitably this is just going to be the case every time they have to renew one of these licenses. Is mm-hmm. that eventually? Well, maybe not with NHL because they have absolutely no bargaining ground whatsoever. But uh, you know, at some point they're going to come to turn have to do this again with the NFL and football, and I think the quality of Madden is something that the NFL is not super happy about these days. Mm. I mean, they're still selling, so it's, they aren't that unhappy, but when it comes time to rene- renegotiate that deal, I do wonder if running into this stuff with going, going with FIFA, who, by the way, are a terrible organization. There's no one to root for in this. This is this is really an aliens versus predator kind of situation. <laughs> it's like people have gone to jail. Yeah, the only people who will win in this are the people you don't like. But, you know, FIFA, I don't think, will be horribly damaged by not being called FIFA as long as they get to continue making the the soccer game with the officially licensed teams and players and they have a deal with the uh the players association for the FIFA organization so they could still do that oh you mean FIFA Pro FIFA Pro which I did not know about prior to this story Yeah. But yeah, you know, and then Peter Moore's in the story giving quotes cuz Peter Moore what the fuck's he doing these days is he hanging out at Unity I don't know. Dude, I don't know what he's doing. It's FIFA. Is it, yeah. Do you think is there a is there a studio you think that or a, a publisher slash developer that is just waiting for that 
license to go up to make a sports game? I don't think so, because, like, Konami still does their thing, right? It's not called Pro Evolution Soccer anymore, but they still do a thing. And there are other soccer games, I think, though obviously they don't have the FIFA license. But I don't think there's another publisher that's just, like, waiting in the wings ready to... Winning 11? Is that their... Well, it was Pro Evolution, there was Winning 11, but it was all kind of the same thing. Like, that was the Konami franchise. Okay. Um, But... Yeah, I, I don't think there's another publisher just, like, waiting in the wings to scoop this up, you know? Okay. Like, it's... I think... Well, so one of the points of contention in here is that the FIFA actually wants to be able to give their license to other publishers and other mm-hmm. game companies, not necessarily to make another soccer game, but, like, if they want to put FIFA licensed stuff in Fortnite, for instance, they can't do that under the terms <laughs> of the current deal. Gotcha. And I think that's part of the thing that EA is balking at, is, like... Not only do you want more money, but you also want to be able to put FIFA branding in stuff that we don't own, despite the fact that we have spent decades building up this franchise based on your name. But nonetheless, and so, yeah, it's it's like there's just a lot of weird intricacies to this that I think that inevitably may actually end up with EA walking away from this because Hmm. FIFA is not an organization that seems like they are going to back down on this stuff. I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they could actually probably skate away from this. I mean, that's like a pretty dramatic move considering how much of FIFA uh, makes up EA's overall revenue. Yeah. Then they'll like just make a soccer game that has all the same stuff in it. I it wonder. is crazy. It's like, what is like a quarter or almost a third of EA's total revenue comes from FIFA it's or something huge. like that? It's like, w- it's like, it's crazy. I would see EA paying or at least settling and we won't know, but maybe they give them a cut of the card stuff or something, the ultimate team stuff or some percentage. Well, no, I think part of the thing they want is that they actually want to limit also the number of ways that EA can profit off the game outside of point of sale. Oh, wow. Okay. There was Hmm. like, I couldn't quite glean exactly what it was they meant by that, but it seemed like maybe they wanted to rein in a little bit of the ultimate team stuff. If not for the, you know, the sort of moral and legal ramifications around that <laughs> stuff, but maybe just because they didn't like that EA was making so much money on the top that they weren't profiting off of. Sure, sure. Where's mine? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Brad, anything else here we want we want to hit before uh, we uh, wrap up news? A, a ton here. Uh, Rockstar confirmed Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy that we've talked about off and on. Confirmed. Happening. Uh, not a ton of information about what it's going to be i mean it's pretty soon so it's gta 3 it's vice city it is san andreas yeah yeah it's it is it is what yes it is what we talked about last week it is those three games i'm trying to i was trying to find i missed if they said when the date is i thought it was like next month or something um coming to ios and android next first half of next year but i think the pc and console version is like soon soon yeah Actually, I don't know if there was... I, I assume there's a PC version. I don't remember seeing if there actually was a PC version of this. I, th- I think... So So they actually started pulling original versions of these games from sale. Oh, okay. Since, since last week when they made this announcement. So, like... Good thing I bought that collection already. Like, you can... Yeah, I checked right before this. You can no longer buy GTA 3, San Andreas, and Vice City on Steam anymore, for mm. example. Because they're okay. just replacing it with this. I do not see the date. I thought I had that in front of me. Like, the I, only... The only real official wording that I see here about what is up with it is... Will feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't so, really mean anything without more specifics. Yeah, it could, could mean a lot of things. Um, I mean, they spend a lot of real estate talking about GTA Online in there. Yes, that's like half of, 
half of this announcement is actually just stuff about GTA online, which really tells you everything. Yeah. Um, it's but, yes. okay. So there's a physical release of this that is coming on December 7th. Okay. But I think the digital version is maybe before that. Okay. Yeah. It does not say in this announcement that I see. Okay. Anyway, should be pretty soon. This is the 20th anniversary coming up on us here very shortly. The problem is this does not answer the two questions I have, which is what are those gameplay improvements and is all the damn music in there? Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious to see what that actually ends up being. FIFA's in it. They uh, confirmed. Yes. Rockstar, they're taking the FIFA license. They're, it's FIFA's they're not going to make a soccer game. It's weird. No, that's yes. what they wanted to do. Yes. All right. Uh, last thing real quick here. I'm, I'm going to say this is the last story. Okay. Uh, the well-known composer, longtime composer of the Dragon Quest series, Koichi Sugiyama, has passed away. Which ninety years old, I believe. At, at ninety, which is a real thorny issue because he is a he was, let's say, an infamous character, an infamous figure. Boy, yeah, I learned a lot reading, because he's, reading because he's working article. On yeah, the I, I can imagine the, game. the headline. The headline, if you were not familiar with his views on various things, <laughs> was just pretty vanilla like oh storied composer has passed away and then you re- <laughs> if you didn't know who he was and read the story you would be like oh well i guess that was your experience right mm-hmm. you probably went oh when you read that story yes i i mean it kept getting worse <laughs> yeah. you read, read through it and was like i boy so yeah. to name those a few are some of those views, things huh? yeah, yeah so- well i mean in, in the context of the game he has been like He's not the most popular. He was not the most popular figure with fans of Dragon Quest because he exercised some really onerous copyright restrictions on his work, mm. which meant that in a lot of cases, the Dragon Quest games coming out in the West had worse versions of the music than the Japanese versions did. For example, mm. like like releases over there were getting orchestrated orchestral versions of music, and it was just like kind of crappy MIDI here, that sort of thing. So, purely in terms of the access to the content. Uh, he was a pretty controversial figure before he factored in the, let's say, war crimes denial and so forth. Yeah, it's a couple of things. It's that he his nationalistic views very specifically are about denying things like the Nanking massacre. And, you know, like he was he signed his name to a thing that appeared in The New York Times, like decrying the U.S. resolution to try and press Japan into apologizing for the use of comfort women during the uh, during during the occupation, I believe, of Korea and By China as well, and China as well, yeah. And on top of that, I think there was some talk. Like I, I forget what the exact context was, but there was some talk show he was on where he started making some real onerous comments about uh, LGBT people and their them having children, which I believe he then walked back sometime later, though I don't know if he ever actually apologized for those views or if he just sort of like tried to talk his way out of it or what. But he's mm. he's not, you know, he's he's had some views that were viewed as pretty rotten, and I would say I view them as pretty rotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to, to put it mildly, a very controversial figure within yeah. the Dragon Quest fan base. Um, so yeah, don't know, don't really know what this means for the use of his music going forward. Well, so he was working on the music for the next Dragon Quest game, but I don't think anyone knows how far along that stuff was. And I assume at some point they will just announce a new composer for that. I I guess so. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that's a huge body of work that is like beloved by a lot of people, regardless of, you know, the The person who made it, the, the person who created it. So I don't know. 
I don't know who the rights to fall. I don't know who the rights fall to there on the occasion of his death. I'm not sure what will happen with that stuff going forward. But yes, notable for a whole bunch of reasons. I like Dragon Quest Builders too. That that he has passed on. That's a good game. That's quite a good game. game. Hopefully they can find a composer who (laughs) sucks less as a person. (laughs) I'm with you. Um, that's the news. Yeah. Stuff happened. Stuff <laughs> happened. Not not a boilerplate week for news. No, and we got to talk about Red to Repair. That's right. That's a, the most important among, thing. Among all kinds of other stuff. Oh, man. Wind me up on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that uh, for this week, so that's fine. Yeah. Microsoft, listen, you know what the right thing is. That's right. You know, you know what you want to do. Parts list. Li- you want a parts list. Let Vinny solder. Give us, give us a call. Give me a call. Just you know what? You don't have to sell Sony. You don't have just sell the board with the analog sticks on it. Like that's what you do. So you don't have to solder them. You sell the you sell the replacement PCB with everything on it already, and just the ribbon cables off. That's I mean, we the didn't, way to do it. We didn't even talk about that. Nintendo put some messaging out there saying that the Joy Cons in the new OLED Switch are slightly less prone to drift, but still eventually going to drift. A right to repair is not a right to have a class action suit against the company so that you then repair the thing that's broken. That's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I listen, what you're saying. You, shouldn't well, I have to re- you shouldn't have to repair your own thing if they sold you a I, bunk product, but I, you know. I bought a four pack of Joy-Con sticks on Amazon. <laughs> I definitely know what you're saying. Gosh. And then you just play like roulette with like, are these analog sticks good? Or I don't know. Like the reviews say they're pretty good and then there's the junky i replaced analog sticks in these things and they didn't work right you know it's yeah. sell it to me anyway which, don't get Vinny off on a rant i started my new discord channel that's <laughs> gonna come in there with rant about rant about that folks that's gonna do it for this week's show we talked about metroid dread sable back for blood jet outer wild echoes of the eye uh and then we have the news there if you didn't hear uh a bunch of stuff everybody got the 32 hour work week yeah that sounds good listen i'm not gonna oppose it um i I think society society would be immeasurably better off if that applied to everyone you know what's better than a 32 hour work week 31 hour work week a 16 hour work week Whoa. whoa damn I how about how about the work week that gets the job done and lets you lead a healthy and productive life as well? Huh? I'll settle for that. Okay. Well, it's, we'll wait. Someday we'll figure that stuff out. Star Trek figured it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. They only had to sort of gloss over a few things on how they <laughs> yeah. got there, but you know, all, all we have to do is invent magical uh, matter energy conversion, and everything else will work itself out. I'm on my way. Here we go. It's, don't worry. Once I get the the right to open up my Xbox, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. That's behind that capacitor we have to replace. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody, on this week's podcast. We got a bunch of fun stuff up this week. We have the Hitman Marathon continues. You can go catch that. Things are heating up. I'd say we're probably only like a quarter to a third through. And uh, yeah, finished Hitman 1. There's still not a map where my heart is not pounding and my hands are not sweaty by the end of it. So I'd say big success for that series so far a lot of fun you can check those out uh the archives are up now i think they're up on youtube um you can go see them there we have uh if you're listening to this around the time of its recording 
It seems like the end of Ripper. How are things going to escalate there? I don't know. Where is John Reese davies Maybe we'll find out. I don't know. It's, it's a wild ride on Ripper. Uh, Abby and I have been doing some uh, Scream Team, some October fun. Uh, we're going to record another one tomorrow. Those have been going up. Well, the one went up on Sunday, but we will continue probably to put those up on Sunday. You can look for those over on YouTube. Um, we're playing Alien Isolation. You can come check that out. Right for some Friday stream fun coming up. Uh, and this is all made possible for people supporting us by watching, by listening and going over to Patreon and helping us out over there. Bunch of different tiers there. Thankful for everybody that can support us. We couldn't do it without you. It bears repeating. Can't say it enough, but the stuff we do is made, uh, by your generous support. It's true. I can confirm. We do have a tier on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Full of mysterious benefactors we won't say who they are but they do get a shout out on this here podcast alex navarro how do you feel about reading these mysterious benefactors i mean i feel fine about it but also that kind of means we're saying who they are we're we're saying it we're saying it out loud why don't you just read a bunch of names and if they happen to be the mysterious benefactors then look it works out for everybody involved well, this I'm bit sold. Get, this bit gets more complicated every week. Yes. But I still I still love it and we will still continue to do it. But here are the mysterious benefactors. Alex, take it away. Our mysterious benefactors are allegedly Rob M, Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, Brian D, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Jack Eineker, Malone Hart, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM. Jerry Lee, Gary Peshke, Matt, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, Joseph Regan, John McInnes, The Bunny Fiend, Casey Shaughnessy, John B., Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Robo Jeebus, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Chris Barkhurst, Ninja Ducky, Anders Buge, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R, Blood Emblem, Kevin Velado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Teepkin, It Me JP, Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, aka Higher Noobs, Matthew Herrig, Rick Button, and Tyler Treese. And those are the mysterious benefactors we think for this week. Who can say, really? Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, And thanks again to everyone who supports us by watching, listening, subscribing, however you can, however you've done it, uh, Patreon, whatever you can do to help us out. It really does help uh, and allows us to do some really fun content with some really fun people, those people being... Uh, Abby Russell and the Scream Team allows yeah. us to do stuff like that. One uh, one direct um, uh, benefit of having very generous supporters. So thank you very much. Um, all the other awesome people: Brad Shoemaker, Alex oh, Navarro, Vinny Carvella. Awesome people. Thank you, Next Lander supporters, for allowing me to do this podcast with these awesome people uh, to deliver an awesome podcast to awesome people <laughs> like you, the listener. Uh, it's just, it's, wow, what a what a what an awesome circle, everybody! You just uh, pat yourself on the back <laughs> out there. You made it through another show. Thanks everybody for listening. 
Tune into all the fun stuff this week, whether you're watching it live over at YouTube, wherever you're going to uh, catch your next Lander content. Have fun over in the Discord. Let's chat about right to repair and what capacitors are in things and which which hard drive. The Gold Star? What, what kind of CD-ROM drive you got in that thing? Let's see what's going on. All right, everybody. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Alex. We'll Thank be you. back next week.